The 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, proud supporter of the Illini on campus since 2006. DP Doe is a locally owned and employs a staff that truly cares about their customers, and they'll always go out of their way to make sure that every customer walks away happy and full. Stop in and try Hotbox, their popular combo featuring a calzone, choice of side, and a drink. Sure to be extra tasty very soon in four weeks. January 1st in the state of Illinois. Order direct online at dpdo.com for their best deals and prices. Also, Brian Hansen, your state firm agent and your local choice for insurance. Brian and his team for local products, all born and raised in Champaign-Urbana. Their office located at 408 North Ray Street, Suite A in Urbana, but they service all of Champaign County and East Central Illinois. They're here for auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance needs, and you can give them a call at 217-344-1900 or visit online at brianismyguy.com. Finally, 4th and Kirby kicked off rightward sounds at the corner of 4th Street and Kirby Avenue between Memorial Stadium and the State Farm Center. They have vintage-inspired Illini apparel including t-shirts sweatshirts you name it for basketball or football season uh i like this kind of stuff because it doesn't seem like the new nike apparel it's not really doing it for me fourth and kirby though it's vintage retro stuff that any illini fan will enjoy online at fourth and of course got to thank illini inquirer partners in the relaunch of the 200 level and the champagne showers podcast network on twitter at 217 showers while this episode is titled land of stinking Got to thank Trevor Valise for the title. And unfortunately, I thought it was just going to apply to the Illinois Northwestern game. But as I sit here recording this opening segment for the basketball game that I just watched, ugh, unfortunately, it has a double meaning. Let's do it. The 200 level. It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter from the basement, and I'm recording this opening segment in the aftermath of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Miami comes to town, four and three. And we knew they had some talent, you know, not not great, not a team that's probably going to be competing for an ACC championship, but we knew that this was going to be a test, but fortunately one that was set up nicely. Illinois gets a win in the first of three games in a row against teams that begin with the letter M, Miami, Maryland, and Michigan, and by far the easiest of those three games. It wasn't a win that would have been, you know, one you'd keep in your back pocket for Selection Sunday, but it's certainly not a loss that you wanted either. And instead, you lose in one of the most ridiculous basketball games I've ever seen. And in the last decade especially, we've seen plenty of them as Illini fans. I had tweeted out, well, plenty of things during the game because it was sort of a roller coaster. And I said, worst home loss. And this was when Illinois was down, I think, 17 or 18 in the second half. And they were basically trading buckets with Miami at that point. And I was thinking, this could be the worst home loss since. And someone responded, Penn State. And unfortunately, I had to reply, which one? Because you could say 2009, the 38 to 33 loss, but there's been a few other losses at home against Penn State where they haven't even been that competitive. This, though, stings, and it stings in a variety of ways. In the short term, it does not help your NCAA tournament chances. And I was having shades of Georgia Tech 2013. I think that was 2013, the following year against Oregon at the United Center. These games in the non-conference where you knew as they were going on, man, we don't really have it. We should win this game. And if we don't, it might bite us. And I don't know if those games independently cost Illinois two NCAA tournament appearances, but we know that John Gross's second and third teams, it was the slimmest of margins that kept them out. Really, same with his fifth team. He was close, 
and he didn't do it, but he was close to making four out of five tournaments. And obviously, Illinois basketball history would be different. I think especially if he had just made it the second or third year, maybe could have stabilized something. Regardless, here we are, though, with Brad Underwood. And you look at the first two years of the Brad Underwood era and think, okay, well, it kind of is what it is. And if needed, we'll wait for year three when he gets all of his guys in here. And then we'll finally see the payoff. We'll make the NCAA tournament. And then you couple that with Andre Curbelo and Adam Miller. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to think, okay, it doesn't even need to be pretty this year. They just need to make a tournament. That's really it. The long and short of it is if this team makes the tournament any way, shape, or form, then I do feel like they can get things stabilized based on the talent that they have coming in. And I look at this roster and I think, you got enough. I think most coaches would take this roster and think, yeah, I can make a tournament with it. And what's so weird about this is you look at Brad Underwood in the past and he's had rosters before with far less that have done seemingly far more. And I know that Stephen F. Austin, different conference, different kind of ball game. You look at Oklahoma State, the one year he was there and he had just a superstar in Juwan Evans. But you have enough. So to come out on the opening game of the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and I get it's Miami, it's not Duke, it's not North Carolina, but you're nationally televised, you get the first game of the entire three-day tournament, and you don't do anything with it. And in fact, you come out in truly embarrassing fashion, and you're trailing by 27 points. So this is where I'm kind of confused. On the one hand, the good news, you have a comeback that you didn't complete, but nonetheless, you almost did. Okay, that, that is good news because it shows that this team is capable of it when they want to. But the bad news is it shouldn't be a case of want to. It should be a case of, well, guys, this is kind of it. We either make the tournament or we don't. It shouldn't take 30 minutes to figure out that you need to beat this team, a very beatable team on your home court, and that games like this ultimately are the difference in making the tournament or not. You look at the schedule with the Big Ten coming up, and yeah, Maryland and Michigan present you opportunities. But after what I've seen so far this year, you're 6-2, and two, and you've lost the two games that you played against Power 5 competition. One of them on the road against a very good Arizona team that beat you ultimately, what was it, by 16, 17 points, even though you competed for about a half. But then this game against a Miami team that's you know somewhere in the middle of the ACC, they got a couple nice players, no doubt about that, but they were beating you by 27 at home. So I, this is where I'm confused. Yes, they came back, and it's better that they did that than lost by 20. There's no doubt about that. If they complete the comeback, I'm saying, okay, well, I love the fight, but more importantly, I'm just glad that they got the stupid win because it doesn't matter in March whether you beat Miami by one at home after a 27-point comeback or if you just were kind of off that night and you just snuck one out. It doesn't matter. Wins are the only thing that does, and right now you aren't getting enough quality ones to make the tournament, and you are not getting any more opportunities in the non-conference to do that. You failed your two tests, and I'm not counting at Grand Canyon as a test. If you're an NCAA tournament team, that is a game that you win. So short term, the NCAA tournament is an issue, and you need to get some quality wins to offset that. Fortunately, you have Michigan playing lights out right now, but it's so early in the season where any team that's ranked fourth in December, I think you got a shot at far better than you would if it's the number four team in February. There's not enough tape on this Michigan team to really know if that was just one you know, magical week in what the Bahamas, I think what their tournament was, or if that's really who they are and you get them at home. So that is an opportunity. And if Illinois can somehow come out with the same energy that they did in 10 minutes of this game against Michigan, they'll compete, you know, and that's the thing I think against some good teams, they probably will compete in bits and spurts this year, but do they have the consistency to finish these games off? Another short-term concern, Io, he's not looking great. And this leads to a long-term concern. 
if he's not good enough to go pro, if he's not a lottery pick and he comes back for a third year, then you are kissing three years of Adam Miller goodbye for presumably one more year with Io. So that turns a short-term problem where Io is not being as good as you thought he would into a longer-term issue where you don't get the next guy in for a longer period of time. I don't like that. As much as I do like Io and I think he'll get things going, this is a little bit concerning. And it goes down to... I'm not going to call it hero ball at the end of the game. You want the ball in your best player's hands. Your best player is Io. And I like the fact that he wants the ball too. But you dribbled the ball into three defenders and it probably was a charge. Should you get some home cooking in that situation? Maybe so. And was I frustrated that he didn't get the call or that they maybe just let sleeping dogs lie? Okay, maybe so. But I guess by the letter of the law, that was a foul on Io. So the officials didn't blow that call. He just ran into the guy. And the way he's playing right now, he's not going to get the Jordan treatment. So it kind of is what it is with Io. If he gets better, you got a shot. Because you know that when he's on, he is a fantastic basketball player. But so far this season, you just are not getting that consistently. But that's your go-to guy. Andres Feliz has really fallen back to earth. Trent Frazier. Bits and spurts. He's a microwave. But defensively, was getting beat all over the court tonight. And, and then I look at the interior, and Kofi Coburn has come in and been everything and more that you could have asked for him. And yet you're still finding your way to a disappointing start to the season. You added this new shiny toy that is a guaranteed double-double every single night, and it's not making any difference. Six and two. If you're listening to this on Saturday, you know, if it's later in the week that you pick up this episode, the 200 level, you got an opportunity against Maryland, four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. But, you know, no one feels really good about that. Even if it was a home game, you wouldn't feel good about that. You need to get one of these next two wins. And I thought going into this three-game stretch that you had to get two out of the three. Miami and probably Michigan, because that's the home game, to get a non-conference win in your back pocket and a high-quality Big Ten win in your back pocket before you play some scrubs, Missouri, and then you find yourself in 2020. But it's not as if we're that early in the season. And even more frustrating is that apart from Kofi, this whole team returnees from last year. So why is there not more development? Why is there not more consistency? Why do they look lost out there? How do they have 30 minutes where they look like a bad basketball team on national television in what was a very winnable game? I don't get it. And I'm worried, which leads me to long term. You can only go with the evidence that you have. And the evidence so far with Brad Underwood is underwhelming. And that's putting it mildly. Now, I look at everything and think, okay, well, the first two years, I, I'm willing to go with the notion that he's building something and it takes time. And I get all those components. I want to try to look at things with as much context as I can. But what's very frustrating about all this is now in year three, there are zero excuses. And I could look at Adam Miller and Andre Crabello coming in, and I'm excited about that. But if the scheme stinks and if the coaching is subpar, then you're going to continue to find yourself with underperforming teams. This team is underperforming right now. I don't think there's any other way that you can say it. And they might figure it out. And there might be chemistry issues that they got to figure out. Yes, you got Kofi, but certainly that changes the dynamic of your offense. But let's not get too complicated here. Kofi makes things a lot easier or should for your offense. It should open things up for your shooters, of which you don't have many right now. You're a bad shooting team and you aren't a great passing team. I tweeted that out three weeks ago and someone took offense to that and said that I was freaking out about it. Well, are you freaking out now? You lose to Miami at home, and now you need to offset this with a quality win. 
So before I start talking around in circles, you have those opportunities, Maryland and Michigan. By the time we come back next week, it will be after the Maryland game. So we'll have a little bit more of an indication about how this team responds after adversity. You put a lot of effort in that comeback, and I'm glad, again, that they made that comeback as opposed to not making that comeback. It shows that, yes, if they play with a bit of a fire under their butts, then they can get going. They can get after it. And there is talent on this team. Alan Griffin showed it in the second half. I could see consistency developing for him. DeMonte off the bench is seeming, seemingly kind of growing into his role. Great putback dunk tonight, but defensively doing his job. Kipper, whatever, just... <laughs> You know, and this is where as a 33-year-old, it's like, okay, well, at what point do I criticize the player on the court? I'm not, I don't know the man or the young man. I don't know any of these kids on the team because essentially for a 33-year-old, these are kids out there. But in terms of just basketball, what's the point? Move on. You don't need that big of a rotation. College basketball, you don't need a 10-man rotation. Go seven or eight and let Alan Griffin get the bulk of those minutes and DeMonte get the rest. And then you have your backcourt and your frontcourt pretty much set. But the, the lack of consistency, I don't get it. You know, I, I would be more pissed off tonight. Uh, but to be honest, the thing I'm most frustrated about is I actually wrote notes for the Illinois-Northwestern game and was going to start with that because I figured this would be a ho-hum victory against Miami. Didn't get it. And instead, the whole thing is kind of flipped upside down. But I guess this is not all that surprising. Not the result, but the fact that on December 2nd or the 3rd or the 4th, whenever you're listening to this, that we are switching gears now towards basketball season. And I didn't necessarily think that basketball was going to be the saving grace, that it's going to fix all of the ills that are facing Illini fandom right now. But I was sort of hoping that they would just... Again, I used the word ho-hum earlier. Ho-hum, make the tournament, and then you just gradually build that consistency because you are getting studs in here. There's no denying that. The frightening thing would be is if you underperform to a level where we all start thinking, okay, is this Brad Underwood thing really going to work out? And then maybe a possible decision is placed in front of Josh Whitman. Now, I don't see, unless it is an absolute disaster, I don't see Brad Underwood getting fired. Not when he got Adam Miller and Andre Crabello coming in. I don't see this team necessarily falling apart. But I just see a very John Gross-like season. And I, I'm remembering this quote that Josh Whitman had, I think it was during the press conference when he introduced Brad Underwood, that the further you get away from your success, the harder it is to get back there. It was something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing, but I had that thought tonight where... You know, we're down 27 at home in the first half to freaking Miami. As Trevor had said in a tweet, you know, out of all the random sports programs to just kind of be the thorn in your side, Miami? Because really before 2013, we had no relationship with Miami. There was no nothing in common between Illinois and Miami sports. Just nothing. And then you lose that game, the second round of the tournament for John Gross, which, you know, alternate history, you wonder if they make the Sweet 16, does that sway... Quentin Snyder to keep his commitment or maybe Sway Cliff. I don't know. I don't know if it changes anything, but it would have been interesting because at that moment, even when you lost that game to Miami in 2013, I know a lot of Lanai fans felt like we had our guy. You know, yeah, we lost the game, but we have our guy. I don't know how many people look at Brad Underwood and feel that they have their guy. And not that you need to feel that at this point. That will come if he makes tournaments and if he starts competing in the upper half of the Big Ten. But there's been nothing to illustrate that. Nothing. And there has been evidence. And yes, it's early in year three. And yes, it's, I guess, early in the first year that he's had his full complement of talent. 
but there is enough talent here to win. Do not lower your expectations. And I'll get to this in a second with Illinois football, but don't lower your expectations for Brad Underwood or anybody. I feel like we have, and this is probably a poor analogy to use, and trust me, it's apples and oranges, but battered fan syndrome. Because we have had such a lack of success with our revenue sports that any inkling, like 6-6 six and six football season, uh, we get excited about. And sometimes there is cause for celebration. The football team making a bowl game for this as putrid as this program has been historically, that is an accomplishment. But for Illinois freaking basketball to be at this point, it, it was an embarrassment. Okay, yes, there's the comeback, but let's not lose sight of what this was. Losing to a team that you should have beat at home. And if you take the comeback away, and let's just say Miami's leading by seven or eight points all night, every bit is frustrating. I don't take all that much solace in the comeback. And what really concerns me is how a team could come out that flat. Yes, seven-day layoff. Okay, I'll give you the first immediate timeout to figure that out. You're college athletes. And Brad Underwood, you're making $3.5 million a year to figure this out. I'll give you the first immediate timeout. I'll give you the first 10 minutes, not the first 30, where you have to all of a sudden play with a chicken, like chickens with your heads cut off, in order to mount this miraculous comeback that wasn't. Fake rally, as was going around Twitter, and we've had plenty of those as Lanai fans, and I'm sick of them. And I didn't get all that excited during the rally because we have now been trained, battered fan syndrome, we've been trained to know what's ultimately going to happen. You know, we get the rebound with 15 seconds to go. Iowa's got the ball, and I'm thinking, maybe, just maybe. And to me, it would have been the biggest sigh of relief. (sighs) You beat Miami. Margin doesn't matter. No one's going to remember. At least the selection committee is not going to say, yeah, I know they beat Miami. But they were down 27, so maybe we should keep them out of the tournament. No, no one would care. And instead, you know, you get the result that you get. So that's the cherry on top of the turd Sunday that was Illinois sports this weekend. And now I get to my notes. First time I've done notes here on the show about Illinois Northwestern. And it's kind of a weird transition, a jarring transition to go from the game that I just witnessed, Illinois-Miami, which will live in infamy. And I hope is not one of those games that we look back on in March is, oh, you would have made the tournament, but. But let's start with the good news for Illinois football. You're still in a bowl game. No one's taking that away from you. Six wins. You got what you needed. Thank God for the comeback against Michigan State. Against Iowa, you held your own. At that moment, after the Iowa game, and as we talked about on the podcast last week, I felt genuine excitement. And I was not going to go so far as to say the program had turned the corner. You need more than that, right? But I was feeling more confident in this coaching staff's ability to maybe, maybe they figured things out. Maybe they kind of know what they're best at and they know how they can compete in the Big Ten because that's what they did at Iowa. And we saw a pretty good game between Iowa and Nebraska. That was Nebraska's shot to get a bowl game and they played well in the second half, but like a good team, Iowa held them off, made the plays they needed to. They're nine and three. So there's no shame in that. You come home and of course we're all thinking about the Brandon Peters thing heading in the Northwestern game. And unfortunately, that played a role. There's no doubt. We'll get to injuries in a bit. But it was an interesting thing to wake up. We were in Michigan for the Thanksgiving holiday. And I, this is going to sound, you know, self-serving or (laughs) I listened to last week's 200 level as I was running on Saturday morning, just because I wanted Illini material and I was excited for the game. You know, I put on my Illini hoodie and we went over to a sister-in-law's place where they had a big TV to watch Illinois Northwestern and then occasionally flip back, of course, to Michigan, Ohio State, which that was a game for about a quarter and a half. Then the Illinois game starts, and it's not looking so good, right? And we we knew that, but at the same time, as Trevor and I were texting, as frustrated as I was early, 
I remember being equally frustrated with the Rutgers game. A first half where you're tied 10-10 and you're thinking, really? But you also knew that a big play could sort of turn it. And I thought the big play was when Nate Hobbs got the interception, what was a pretty good return, and then you cash it in for six with a quick offensive series. Big catch by Caleb Reams. Dre Brown on one of his, what, five carries on the day. He gets you the touchdown. And then you're up 7-3. to three. I take a deep breath and realize, okay, all Northwestern can do today is run the ball. Little did I know that they would run for 368 yards. That's a problem. Other problems. Four-string quarterback. Of course, that was, you know, well-documented, and I don't want to belabor the point, but it was still a four-string quarterback that looked like one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the nation on that fateful Saturday. He had a running back for Northwestern that I believe was a Cosma, C-O-Z-M-A, that was a defensive back midway through the season, and they had, had to convert him to running back. So this is what was interesting about Illini fandom during that Saturday. And of course, the only barometer I really have for that, because I was in Ann Arbor watching this on a TV, wasn't at the stadium with the other few thousand. And I don't blame people for not going because it was absolutely miserable by all accounts. Do feel bad for the seniors that there wasn't more representation, but you know what? It's Thanksgiving weekend. These games are never that well attended in the first place. But I noticed a few excuses, and I thought this was really interesting. One being injuries. You know, we had Brandon Peters out. We had Josh Matterbebe out. And there's no doubt that when I saw the injury list before the game, I thought, oh boy. But when I saw it, here's what my expect- expectation changed from. From style points matter to, yeah, just get the win. It doesn't matter how you get it. Just win 17 to 13. I don't care. Just get the win. Get the stupid win against the winless Northwestern team at home, even with your injuries. And you know what? That's a fair expectation to have, Illini fans. So do not you know, recede back into this idea that, well, you know, they got the six wins already. No, expect more. Expect more from Levy Smith and the staff than losing to a winless Northwestern team at home on senior day, despite the injuries. Because bear in mind, again, Northwestern, plenty of injuries of their own. The uh, 0-7 starter, the 0-8 start in the Big Ten did not happen magically, out of thin air. No, it happened because they've had a lot of injuries and, you know, everything that went right for them the year before went wrong for them this year. And the talent discrepancy between these two teams may not have been all that stark to begin with. I mean, I think we kind of knew that going in. And if there was any weariness entering this Illinois Northwestern game, it was, well, you know, everything's went wrong for them. And on one Saturday, everything could go right. And certainly it did. But unfortunately, Illinois kind of fed into that with just a lethargic, lackluster game plan and execution. You know, it was funny because when Northwestern was somewhere between 150 and 200 rushing yards in the first half, we were stacking the box. I mean, we knew what was coming and we still could stop them, which to me is almost the most emasculating thing that could happen to a football team when they know what's coming. They know it's just a run up the middle, an RPO if they want to get fancy, and you still can't stop the four-string quarterback who yards after contact, and I didn't look it up, and I'm sure there's a number out there, but that was really the most deflating thing. Every single time you did get the initial contact, not all that far from the line of scrimmage, didn't matter. And then sure enough, they keep beating you, beating you, and then they finally break a few big runs. Game. Game over. Matt Robinson at backup quarterback didn't help, but you know what? In year four, maybe have another option other than a Matt Robinson. And this leads me to the next one that I thought was an interesting excuse from Illini fans. We don't have the depth. Why don't we have the depth? 
Again, year four, or even if I'm being charitable, year three for Lovey Smith. Steve Breitweiser and I talked about this back in the first episode of the relaunch. And there is some truth here that Lovey's initial plan, based heavily on a staff with Garrick McGee and Hardy Nickerson, it backfired. It didn't work. And he had to make a change after year two and then midway into year three with Hardy Nickerson and say, well, I need to take a different approach. Grad transfers being a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. And you know what? It worked to a degree this year. I don't know what the long-term viability of that is, but it did help get you to six wins. But the lack of depth, this idea that, well, we got all these injuries, so what can you do? Yes, I, I know, but Northwestern, look at their injury list. And they have the depth. And yes, Pat Fitzgerald has been there, what, three times as long as Lovey Smith has been here. But even in football, you need to have enough guys to field a competitive roster with all those injuries against an opponent that, you know what, it should have been fine to trot out a defense or an offense full or half of them were, you know, you're in your two deep and maybe not your starters and still get the win. Let's not overcomplicate this. Let's not try to use pretzel logic to figure out, well, why did Northwestern beat Lovey Smith in Illinois? Well, don't use depth because that's actually an argument against Lovey Smith. And next year, yeah, you bring a lot of these guys back. And if they're healthy, then you don't need to worry all that much about depth. But you want to talk about depth, look at 2021. All the guys that you lose after next year. And this is why you need to capitalize now. You need to win now in 2020. And the schedule will allow you to do that as long as you don't get in your own way. And the grad transfer recruiting will be something to watch as well. Because you will need some two-year grad transfers to help bridge you from 2021 until 2022. We're looking a little bit far now because I'm not even comfortable going that long-term with this staff. The third excuse that I thought was interesting, and this was a little bit more rare, was the idea that this game didn't mean anything because you already had six wins. So whatever, you know, you're going to a bowl game and Northwestern's not and who cares? And there is a nugget of truth in that, in that, you know, pinstripe bowl, quick lane bowl, red box bowl, because the Big Ten doesn't have as many teams as past years going to these bowl games, you still have a pretty good shot at either the pinstripe or the red box. Quick lane, I'm not hearing much about, and we'll know next week. And for some reason, I thought we were going to know in time for this podcast, but we don't. So it's not as if it really hurts which bowl you're going to. But the idea that this game doesn't matter, because Lovey will talk about rivalries, and I don't look at Northwestern as some team that, I don't even look at them as a threat, which is really weird to say. And it might be conceded on my part as an Illini fan when I remember growing up, and even when Lou Tepper's teams weren't all that great, they were beating Northwestern. I know Gary Barnett had his run in the mid-90s, but if you look at the record of Illinois versus Northwestern from, say, 76 to 2002, Northwestern, I think, has five wins in there and a tie, and Illinois has something like 16 wins. So, you know, Steve Greenberg from the Sun-Times had tweeted out something about Illinois being 4-12 and against Northwestern in the last 16. We had talked about it on last week's podcast. For some reason, I responded to Steve saying, well, they're 5-1. and one. The last six Illinois Bowl teams are 5-1. and one. I'd forgotten about 2011 and how they beat them in September. So really, the last six Illinois Bowl teams had beaten Northwestern. And for the most part, those games weren't all that close. 2011 probably being the closest where Illinois had to score late. And I look back at Illinois-Northwestern games and even the triumphs, if you want to call it that, and I don't have a ton of recollections from them. 2014 is fresh enough because I went to Ryan Field for that. 2011 was the late comeback with Nathan Shieldhouse and A.J. Jenkins. But, you know, I mean, 2007, the Rose Bowl, I don't remember that game that much. 
And it wasn't because I drank too much or any of that. I mean, like, I just don't remember the game that much. It was the week after the Ohio State triumph, and then he came home and he just kicked Northwestern's butt. So I thought going into this that, yes, even with the injuries and all that, this is still a rivalry game. You've lost four in a row. There is still a mental edge here. And then you see something like Bobby Roundtree, which what an incredible story that is. He came up for the game, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like, if you're a player, how can you not want to run through a brick wall when Bobby Roundtree shows up and gives a pregame speech to get everyone pumped up before the game? And instead, land of stinking, as Trevor would say. An absolute fart of a performance. Sorry for the toilet humor. As a sixth grade teacher, I've grown accustomed to it. So here's the reality of it, as I think about it. Context can be helpful, and we try on the 200 level to use context as much as we can. You know, we want to make our judgments based on evidence. We want to try to consider the context of what Brad Underwood and Lovey Smith inherited. But sometimes you just got to simplify. Illinois lost to a winless Big Ten team at home. That they were favored by nine and a half. I think it got down to seven, maybe even six and a half when the injury list came out. But you were still favored. Okay? Still favored. 29 to 10. And it actually made me think of something, too, how back in the day when it was, oh my gosh, Dick Bennett was the coach at Wisconsin. And then it was the bald guy. Soderberg, maybe? Brad Soderberg? They came to Illinois in 2001. And this was the week after the first paint the whole orange game against Michigan State. The way Mich- uh, Wisconsin basketball played back in the day, and even now, I mean, we've gotten so used to it, and it just sickens me, but they lull you to sleep, and a 10-point Wisconsin lead is like a 30-point lead for other teams. It's so hard to work your way back with the style that they play. You look at Northwestern. They came in and said, we're just going to run the ball. That's it. There's no surprises, nothing fancy. We're just going to run the ball down your throat, which is what I said Illinois should do against Northwestern, but apparently Rod Smith didn't get the memo and decided Dre Brown should maybe get three or four touches in the entire first half. Or was it one? I can't remember. I did notice that Rod Smith was not calling fans out after the game, which that's a step in the right direction at least. But <laughs> don't, don't overcomplicate this. You got embarrassed at home by a really, really bad Northwestern team, the worst Northwestern team that you're going to face in a long time. And you couldn't even take advantage of it in this series where you've lost four in a row, it's become an embarrassment, and now the numbers are well-documented, and we get to live with this every freaking year as we enter Thanksgiving and enter that weekend. Hey, did you know, and this is no offense to Steve Greenberg, I like Steve a lot, but next year we could very easily get a tweet saying, well, you know, you have now lost, let's see, you've only won four of your last... 17 meetings against Northwestern, or you're four and 13 in your last 17, right? Sick of it. I'm really tired of losing to a program that I saw it myself firsthand at Ryan Field, playing for a bowl game in 2014. They don't care. And certainly they could say the same about Illinois fans because we didn't show up on Saturday, but come on, the weather was a decent excuse for that. But they don't care. They truly don't. And they could have any opponent up there, and it's going to be 75% Iowa fans or 75% Nebraska fans. There's not a fan base that, at least compared to even Illinois, with all of its lack of success, actually cares about it. And yet we get to suffer through this stupid Land of Lincoln game every year and watch Pat Fitzgerald, the total meathead, smoke Illinois. Embarrassing. So don't overcomplicate it. It was an embarrassment, and it's unacceptable. So what does this mean long-term? Well, here's the good news. It may mean nothing long-term because as much as Northwestern aggravates me, it's not Ohio State, Michigan. It's not something that I lose sleep over. Illinois, Missouri, bragging rights game. That's one that I don't want to lose. I really, you know, we get fired up for that series. No one actually gets fired up for the land of Lincoln hat. 
Northwestern is a pest to us, despite the fact that they smoke us every year. They're kind of the pest to us, and we just want to beat them so we're done and over with it, right? Just be done with it. But long-term, this may not have any impact at all, and it begins at the bowl game, but of course goes into next year, where if you go 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, fine. No one's going to remember that Northwestern game. Making two bowl games in a row is the goal. You made your first. And in terms of did you accomplish what you needed to this year, the answer would be yes. We aren't firing Lovey Smith. I wouldn't fire Lovey Smith. This is coming from a Lovey cynic. I, I get that, you know, you have an opportunity here to make two bowl games in a row. What the staff does with recruiting in the next couple months is going to be absolutely essential to any sort of sustained success. But fortunately, we have a bowl game to help you sell that. So this is an opportunity, as frustrating as that game was, and as much as it really just reaffirmed all my suspicions about, oh my God, I mean, do we really know what we're doing here? But the interesting storyline that's developed this year would be Rod Smith, 12th in the Big Ten in total offense. When, I get it, you didn't have Brandon Peters for, I think, ultimately 10 quarters, Right, So he didn't play for at least a half against Minnesota, and he didn't play against Michigan, didn't play against Northwestern. When he's out there, it's a different offense. But even then, how many three and outs? How many times was the offense putting the defense in a bad position? Go back to the Nebraska game, your first Big Ten game, where you scored off a few turnovers and had that lead, right? I think you were up 14 or maybe even 21, I forget. But you were up pretty sizably in that game. But then after that, especially in the second half, you could not keep the defense off the field. And that's with a healthy Dre Brown, who was rightfully called the MVP of the offense, who, again, hardly got any carries on senior day. Reggie Corbin, who, listen, I love Reggie. He will have a chance to make a pro team and have a pretty good career in the NFL. But on that day, in those conditions, for the kind of game it was going to be, how do you not come out like you did in the Purdue game? Things started working when you gave Dre Brown the ball. Nasty, wet field. It's going to be a run-oriented game. Give it to Dre. Don't get cute. All this crap to the side, towards the sideline, horizontal running game didn't work. Reggie finished with negative yards in the day, and he was put in no position to succeed, which ultimately falls back on the coach. Now, you're working with Matt Robinson in that game, just as you were against Michigan with the weirdest second-half comeback ever, and the Minnesota game, which Matt Robinson was pretty bad in that too. I get that you're limited when Brandon Peters isn't out there, but even when he was... It was a very inconsistent offense. You have Josh Matterbebe, but you still had a guy like Caleb Reams that could make you some catches. You had Navarro could make you some catches as well. And then, my God, you got Casey Washington kind of coming out of nowhere, which this is someone whose name we heard in camp, and I always get a little bit leery about that. We always hear about how good they look in camp. He looks pretty legit, and he was really the safety valve for Matt Robinson in that Northwestern game. But I'm thinking, again, back to this idea I said with Brad Underwood and this basketball team. You have enough. Okay, you have enough to make this work to some degree. doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to have the top offense in the Big Ten. You don't even need to have top half. But 12th, really? Can't it be 8th or ninth? And that would have been enough probably to swing the Nebraska game. It is bizarre to sit here and actually say that the defense bailed out the offense sometimes. Iowa game included. The defense kept saying, here you go, offense. Take the ball. And... I don't really know going into next year. You do have everyone coming back. And as Robert from Illini, right? He's the blogger. And I know he's he's more passionate about Illinois football than I think anybody. I, I don't understand how one can be that passionate about something that continually disappoints you. But, you know, at the same time, I can empathize because I continue to watch. 
and I got pissed off on Saturday watching that game. But he loves the idea of, well, you got all these guys coming back. I think 18 out of 24 starters next year. And I replied to him on Twitter today saying, you know, that's true. And that's better than I think any other team in the Big Ten. But here's an example. 2018 Chicago Bears, 12 and 4. And then they brought essentially everybody back. Starters, I think, are all the same. Didn't matter. Now you got a team that's 6-6, six and six, and yeah, they can win out and maybe make a wild card spot if the Vikings, I think, lose too. But here is the key difference, though. One, just because guys come back does not guarantee that you're going to be successful. Two, a lot of the success on this team in 2019 was predicated on the takeaway. Lovey Smith's defenses will always get takeaways. As long as he's got decent talent around there, they will get takeaways. But the same number of them? I don't know. Uh, if you look at one game in particular, the Wisconsin game, where the defense, that was the perfect mix of takeaways when you needed them, but also three and out stops. That is the formula that maybe this defense can adopt where even if they are not getting the same amount of interceptions and fumble recoveries, or for that matter, defensive touchdowns, they can still put you in a position to succeed. But it's all for naught if this offense doesn't get going. And you do lose Reggie Corbin. You do lose, I'm guessing, Dre Brown, though he did indicate that maybe he's going to look into a six-year. He would probably get it. Josh Matterbebe, he'll have a decision to make. I hope he comes back because he's not a finished product. His hands are not the best. And Ricky Smalling is a number two. Might be an interesting guy because it clearly isn't quite the number one option that you want on an offense. But he did show something a little bit early this year. So long story short, you got enough. Figure it out. You cannot be 12th next year. There's no excuse to be number 12. And if they can improve on that, then I think that could offset the what I think is, at least, an inevitable decline from the defense. It's not going to hopefully be precipitous. But when you see a game like Northwestern, you can't help but think, oh, my God. You know, Just when I thought that this defense was done laying stinkers like that, they give up 368 yards to freaking Northwestern on the ground to the fourth-string quarterback. Final thing before we bring in Harry and Trevor. So Twitter is sort of the new message board, the new fan forum. And yeah, there are still some old school traditional fan forums out there. But if you are a fan or a sports media type or even a person of influence, if you want to be a part of this conversation, that's where you got to go. Josh Whitman's no exception to that. And the Illini Athletic Director tweeted this out on Sunday after, I believe, the Illini Football Banquet. It was a retweet of Illinois football celebrating the 2019 season and our 18 seniors. And this is from your athletic director. Yesterday wasn't what we wanted or expected, but that doesn't detract from a magical season led by this incredible group of men, men who have shown grit, toughness, resiliency, skill, leadership, and loyalty beyond compare. Their legacy will live long. Let's go get number seven, Jens. All right. Well, first off, he is 100% accurate in 95% of that tweet. And we'll play semantics in a bit, and I know that's kind of a futile game to play anyways, but yes, the seniors in this class deserve tremendous accolades for sticking through what was a really hard period of Illini football. Hard enough to watch, but I can only imagine being in the trenches and actually having to essentially work a full-time job, as these college athletes do, in order to get this program back to any semblance of respectability. They did that. They deserve the credit. They deserve all the accolades that Whitman or anybody throws on them. But I am noticing this trend, and I don't really know how to feel about it because on one hand, it's probably not a big deal, but on the other hand, I don't ever like feeling like I'm being talked down to. Let me explain. As an Illini fan, if you're listening to this, you probably know that dating back to 93.5, and then of course here at the 200 level, when things aren't going well, I will certainly address it. 
if it's an elephant in the room or in this case a turd in the punch bowl i will say hey guys look there's a turd in the punch bowl and i just want to let you know about it and it kind of ticks me off and i don't know just had to let you know and this is what i guess commentators do whatever you want to call me broadcaster podcaster any of that so i will often find these things that maybe shouldn't be that big of a deal i know over the 10 years that i've been doing this or really even back to when I was doing college radio on 1071, I'll find these little things. And sometimes it's all about just having a little bit of fun, poking at it, uh, seeing if there's anything actually there. Other times there's genuine, I don't know how I feel about this. So in the case of Josh Whitman and his tweets and the language that he uses, I will go back to the weekend of the Illinois-Michigan game. And he had tweeted out how on the 99 team, they were in a similar position before they played at Michigan. I think they were two and three at that point, maybe three and three. The opening to that season was not anything that would leave Illini fan or lead Illini fans to believe that this team was going to make a bowl game, let alone turn into a top 25 caliber team, which is what they ended up being after smoking Virginia in the Micron PC Bowl. But he was making the comparison, and at that point, you're two and four after the Minnesota loss. And I'm thinking, come on, Josh, that's <laughs> we we both know that this team is not as good as the 1999 team. And when all was said and done, they were not. Yes, they had the miraculous comeback at Michigan State. And yes, they had a signature win at home against a top 10 team that, guess what? They're going to play in the Big Ten title game yet again. Wisconsin, not Ohio State, has the most appearances in the Big Ten title game, 6 out of 10. That's remarkable. And you beat them at home, and you beat them fair and square. That was not a fluky win by any stretch. So, yes. Two wins right there, and for where your football program was at, that deserves celebrating. But I do remember back, though, uh, you know, that Michigan weekend, seeing that tweet and thinking, come on, Josh, we, we know this team is not as good as the Micron PC team, and that might not have even been his point to begin with. But as an Illini fan, I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking, Josh, I don't want to hear that right now. We're two and four. We stink. I don't want to hear it. Well, Sunday, the day after you lose to Northwestern at home 29 to 10, that's the key word, magical season. Yes, thank the seniors for all their incredible efforts. They deserve it. No doubt about that. No one will dispute that. It was magical season. I remember I looked at that tweet, and before I even touched it, I was like, okay, let's, let's kind of get the pulse of Illini Nation, if you want to call it that. How are they responding? They weren't buying it. In fact, if you go and look at the replies to that tweet, they are not buying this idea that it's a magical season. And there are people that go into great detail about how, uh, hey, Josh, this actually isn't magical. They were six and six. And yeah, there were a couple of good moments, but don't put that on us. We aren't buying it. So I'm sensing this weird bit of tone deaf rhetoric from someone who I know is a very smart individual, from someone who I've had pleasant encounters with. But, you know, this is a unique position, I think, where I, I was doing this on 93.5, and I'll continue to do it now. Uh, the one benefit of not having to worry about access or anything like that, I don't need to get in contact with anyone from the DIA because this is not that kind of podcast. It's a fan, someone that's grown up in the area talking about Illini sports, take it or leave it, I'm going to piss some people off, whatever. Uh, but I, that's okay. I can piss them off because I don't need that uh, inside access. I don't need it. But I do respect Josh Whitman. So this is a weird position to be in because I do think that the athletic department overall is in good hands. This is a more than capable individual that is an Illini guy through and through, and I do like that component of it. 
and he doesn't talk like a, a robot like Mike Thomas did. And he actually is open and accessible, unlike Ron Gunther. So if you ask me, well, out of the athletic directors that you've had in your lifetime, because I don't remember when it would have been whoever hired Makovic. So the guy in the 80s that had a lot of success, I don't remember that. I only know Ron Gunther, Mike Thomas, Josh Whitman. In comparison to the previous two athletic directors, I appreciate the way that Josh is open with things. I appreciate his willingness to communicate with the fan base. But I do find a weird kind of off-putting tone deafness in the rhetoric that he uses. Yes, it is his job to sell the program. I get that. It would be ridiculous of me to not expect that. But when you use the word magical, and here's the ultimate problem that not just I, but many people had when they read that. You are saying, Alani fans, you went six and six. That's something. And yes, in context, it is an accomplishment. In context, the win against Wisconsin and the comeback at Michigan State are things I will remember as long as you build on that with sustained success, bowl game, and next year, right? But to do that, 24 hours after you get smoked at home by your rival, a winless Big Ten team comes in and runs the ball down your throat in truly embarrassing fashion for all the nation to see once they turned away from the Michigan-Ohio State game when that became a route and thought, oh, well, let's see what this game on FS1, oh my God, Northwestern's up 29 to 10. I can't believe it. I don't think many people did that because how many people really cared about that game, but I digress. I don't understand how you tweet that out. This is probably mountain out of a molehill stuff. I try to be self-aware and recognize when I'm, I'm making a deal out of something that probably isn't a deal to be made. But I don't want us to fall in the trap or to be suckered into this idea that what we're seeing is good enough. What matters is what happens next with football. And there are certain ways that you can word that tweet, thanking the seniors and giving them all the accolades they need, recognizing that this season was a step in the right direction without calling it magical. In my life... There have been three, count them three, magical seasons. And I will include 1999 in that because of the context of what you had to come out of the Tepper and the the first two years of Turner to win eight games, including road games at Michigan and at Ohio State, 2001 and 2007. Three in my life. Now, I was born when the team went, I think, 10-2 and two under Makovic and won a share of the Big Ten title. I would put that probably up there as well. 83, of course, gets thrown around. 64, the Rose Bowl team, magical. (laughs) It's not magical to go 6-6 and in the fashion that you ended your season. And it's not as if the Northwestern loss negates what came before it. It doesn't. And you can look at the Northwestern loss and say, well, you know, even if you had played lackluster that day, there's some excuses for that. But to lose in the manner that you did, you do not come out less than 24 hours later and say, guys, magical season. Yay. Not buying it. (laughs) This is the genuine frustration coming out. This is. It was during the game tonight, and I'm recording this on a Monday as I finish up this opening segment. I know it's going a bit long, but where twice in the span of 10 minutes, (laughs) and this is where I'm I'm laughing now because I think of a running joke that a friend and I have. Uh, My friend's name is Andrew. We've been to a bunch of Alani sporting events together we've been to a couple bragging rights games together and he has this very funny way of saying let's go let's go you know like a total frat boy meathead type of thing like let's go you know and i always crack up when he does it so anytime that i see on twitter or 
texting with somebody, let's go. I hear it in his voice and I cannot help but laugh at it. So twice in the last 10 minutes of this Alana game tonight, as they get within seven, and then they get within five, and then they get within seven, but I know twice for sure, there were <laughs> tweets from the Alani basketball thing that said, let's go. And I texted them both and I said, parody account? Is this legit? Uh, one even included the fact that Illinois had been down 27 points. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, on one hand, the comeback is impressive. On the other, maybe don't remind people that you were trailing by 27 points at home to freaking Miami. I, I wish I could better articulate why this frustrates me. I wish I could. I know it does, but I can't give you the, the play-by-play as to why it does all the time. Sometimes it is purely an emotional reaction as it is right now. And I'll let you know, this is emotional, okay? This is emotional. I'm trying to figure out, logically speaking, why I should even care what the Illini basketball Twitter puts out there. But don't treat your fans like they're dummies. Yes, there are a section of the fan base. They will lap up anything that you throw at them because I've, I've found that out the hard way. It doesn't matter how bad the product is. If you dare say this or that about it, you will get some crap from people who say, well, you aren't a true blue fan and yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. But don't treat your fan base like they're idiots because they are not buying it. No one feels good after the comeback that wasn't against Miami. Nobody feels good after the shellacking by Pat freaking Fitzgerald and his fourth-string quarterback, Andrew Marty. No one does. Acknowledge the fact that we have improvements to make and steps to take. There are ways to say that diplomatically on any of your Twitter platforms, on any of your Saturday morning call-in shows, any of your media appearances. There are ways to be honest with the fans and not talk about everything through orange-colored glasses. It's patronizing, and it's offensive. We know better. All right. Trevor and Harry are coming up. That was cathartic for me a little bit and this is why i do like the ability to just pop downstairs hit record and go and i i think that having absorbed that miami game emotionless i mean i I was observing it because it's so early in the season where i don't have a lot of skin in the game was not the way saturday watching that northwestern game i have not been that peeved watching a sporting event in a long time and that even includes like yankees in the postseason for some reason i was just staring at the tv with this thousand yard stare of just anger. I think Kara, my wife, was like, oh boy, uh, I've seen this. She probably remembered it from the 2017 ALCS against the Astros. But uh, I, I just was very, uh, I, I was surprised at myself how emotionally, you know, into it I was for that Northwestern game. Not tonight against Miami, but regardless, in totality, I look at both of those and think, okay, <laughs> why can we not have our cake and eat it too? Why can we not, as Illini fans, have just beaten frickin' Northwestern 17-13? to 13? It doesn't matter. 17-16. I don't care. And then just beat a very beatable Miami team at home. Well, guess what, Illini fans? It's not that easy. Join the fight. Yada, yada. Again, okay, I don't even want to go down that road because I, I'll, they'll take another 10 minutes. So what we're going to do instead is bring Trevor and Harry on for what will probably be a, a heated segment I mean, we got a lot of things to talk about, and now that the dust has settled, by the time I talk to those two guys, the dust will have settled. We'll be able to reflect objectively on everything that happened, but uh, it was not a good weekend 
Illini fans. It wasn't. We'll find out the bowl game soon enough. We got that going for us. There was an opportunity against Maryland on Saturday in Michigan next week for basketball. Yeah, you can fix this. You can fix this. There have been worse weekends in Illinois history, but right now I don't feel good. Land of stinking. Thank you, Trevor, for that name. All right. Got Trevor Belize, Harry Black. It is the 200th level. So you see, it's kind of like it looks like pancake batter. I'm just going to start the podcast. That's all right. That's probably best. It is the 200 level from the basement with Trevor Belize and Harry Black. Hey, boys. How's it going? I don't know what to say after that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, brought to you by DP Doe. You can go online to dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. Uh, The Thanksgiving zone, I think, is done with. But they got plenty of yeah, I heard amazing things about it, though. But they have plenty of others, including Make Your Own Calzone at dpdoe.com. Of course, fourthandkirby.com. And they're selling their wares. You ever heard that old-timey term? They're selling yeah. their wares. What, is that like clothing? Yeah. Well, I mean, just any sort of good. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, at the Illini Union Bookstore. So you can get that uh, right street between, what is that, John and Daniel, I think is where Yeah, except on. the yeah. street's all torn up, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, it's I Corps so project. construction down there. I <laughs> Fancy name for a delayed five-month project. This has been going on for years, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Oh, anywho, that's 4th and Kirby. They, they told us that this has nothing to do with 4th and Kirby, but they told us... <laughs> They told us that it was going to be done before this past school year as to avoid any congestion for buses and students. And the school year's over, and it's still not done. (laughs) Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen for all your auto, home, life, insurance, uh, whatever insurance needs, maybe even pet insurance. I'm not sure. You'd have to check with Brian, though, and you can at brianismyguy.com. So this is Land of Stinkin'. Thank you, Trevor, for that title. I really had a weird... light uh, 10 minutes there where I came up with like five really good titles. Yeah, all three that we put up on the Twitter account were all Trevor's ideas, but I did not anticipate that the title would apply also to the basketball team. And and here's how I framed it in it's, the opening segment. It's evergreen. It is evergreen, and it's unfortunately evergreen because I thought the last weekend, the last 48 hours, were going to essentially be ho-hum, you beat Northwestern in ugly fashion, wouldn't have mattered. And then you beat Miami. And even if it wasn't pretty, you would have gotten the win that you needed to. And instead, we're sitting here trying to pick up the pieces. And I think there was a short-term slash long-term discussion to be had, even though it's only game eight for basketball. Yep, it's a quarter yeah. of the way through. And even though we know that the 2020 season for Illini football shapes up nicely with the schedule and returning guys. But let's start short-term. So what do we start with, basketball or football? Uh, let's get football out of the way we first because I'm having a hard time not getting over basketball, so we'll do that second. Take a look at this. Are you turning the page? Well, no, no. I'm just Your showing notes? you my notes. Oh, see, so. I've got my basketball notes on my phone, and uh, let's see here. You know, this is probably the first weekend, and it wasn't, long. Because, wasn't because of my choice, but it was the first weekend where I probably ever watched more of the basketball game than the football game. Because were you working Saturday or you were traveling? I, I was on an airplane. Okay. And I'll tell you this. Oh, that's right, because you're texting. You're like, uh, how bad is it? And we're yeah. like, oh. I, I, I bit the bullet and I bought the uh, the airplane Wi-Fi 
Moral of the story, never buy the airplane Wi-Fi. It's so bad. You would think if you're buying Wi-Fi, they're going to have it on the plane and it's going to be specifically like really good. If you're because I wouldn't imagine too many people are doing that because I felt like a goon doing it myself. So is it Delta or what airline are we talking about? Should I say? Yeah, who cares? They aren't going to be a sponsor. Who cares? It was uh, it was United. And United's uh, never really that good. There's never any leg room. The best two that I, that I fly are JetBlue. They are oh a sneaky good God. airline. Yeah. So much leg room, <laughs> and they usually have TVs on the back. And they have a direct flight, I'm guessing, from Chicago to Orlando. I'm sure they do. Okay. And uh, Americans usually pretty good. At least they have TVs. What do you do, Indy or, or O'Hare for this? I fly out of O'Hare. Okay. I, I find Indy much easier, but... I usually fly... I flew out of Indy once, and that was when I went to Baltimore uh, in February. I usually go... From Bloomington to Sanford, because those are the cheap Allegiant flights. <laughs> I'm just name dropping yeah, all these right. uh, all these like airlines. But usually, um, but you know, if I go home for a specific, th- that's when I want to go home for a week and just spend some time with my family. Mm-hmm. If I need to go home a specific day, usually I can't fly out of Bloomington. They usually have the Thursday to Sunday set thing. Um, and that's when I do that because it's way cheaper. But if I'm going home for Thanksgiving, I usually have to fly out of O'Hare. So what is our list of people who will never sponsor the 200 level? We got United Airlines out of the way. Yeah. Probably the DIA, the athletic department, is <laughs> not going to be All sponsoring airlines. any ads in here. Um, um, Greyhound. I think that's it. All, most... Did we ever talk bad about Greyhound? Well, the no. I-Corps. Well, you are now. Their I-Corps. Yeah. I-Corps, if they were Nothing to sponsor against something. Greyhound. Nothing really against Greyhound. No, I had a, a buddy that Greyhound? would... Have we talked bad about Greyhound? It's cheap. No, yeah. it is cheap. And I take the Peoria Charter. Peoria from, uh, Charter is great. From here, it, it, there's always a coupon code, at least for me. As there a usually is. So it's like twelve fifty to go up there. I mean, there's Wi-Fi that's reliable on the it's bus. It's okay. I, I, I've, I, have, I have ridden the Peoria Charter. I'm just gonna guess right now. Round trip, probably fifteen round trips on the Peoria Charter. Only once have I had a situation where we were delayed. It was mm. a couple weeks ago. Luckily, my flight was a lot later than it would have gotten there, but it was delayed for like an hour. We uh, reached out to Suburban Express before all their lawsuits <laughs> and their not-so-thinly-veiled racism to see if they Is could Is that why able... they don't exist oh, anymore? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The owner was, was extremely racist. Yeah, but oh, he took wow. a trip to China, I think under the guise of like repairing His relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think he came back and just straight up bad, bad mouthed the Asian community of yeah, Champagne yeah, Urbana. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Pretty stupid. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with football and get that out of the way, which I, I noticed what we just did there was the old trick that we did at 93.5, which is we delayed conversation of things we would rather not speak of. Yeah. But we, we haven't have done to. that in a little while. Well, we haven't needed to. I have a feeling we're not going to solve things today, and I don't no. like that feeling. Well, no. the, you know, I just want to say this about this, the football season. And this might be because I didn't see too much, but I kind of got a grasp. I know the offensive play calling was not very good. I know Matt Robinson didn't look very good. You, uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Mr. Cool. Mi- stop calling him that. Sorry. You got to stop calling that Matt poor Sinatra. kid. Mr. <laughs> the, the gentle crooner that yes. he is. Rob Halford, Judas <laughs> he Priest. He did it his way. So is, is that, that a was reference? sneaky good. Yeah, yeah. yeah his, my way, which is the Frank oh, okay, song. Okay, there you go. But it was terrible, so. Here's the at the end of the day the way I'm looking at it and maybe this is just making it easier for me. He might be starting if Illinois happens to play in New York, New York. Oh my god. He'll spread the news. <laughs> oh my god. He's starting today. <laughs> oh no. So see, Matt see, Robinson, this isn't really saying. a pun because he's not Joe Cool or anything Sinatra. <laughs> hey, Joe Cool is a camel. He Wait, is, no, Joe Camel is the cool camel. No, that's the, Camel Cigarettes. He is the world's coolest <laughs> camel. Well, now we lost Camel Cigarette brand. Ah, oh, damn. In I don't think they could. to repair their reality. image of causing cancer. Well, you know they got rid of Joe Camel because they weren't allowed to like appeal to kids, right? Quick aside about the right. vaping thing. 
Does it seem ridiculous to the to you that we're putting all this time and energy into like twenty four deaths? Yeah, when the opioid opioid and opiate epidemic is literally well, killing thousands yeah, of people, and a week. the reaction that it could possibly cause a death, being shocked, like come on, and it's such a it reminds I, for me. One, I'm I think it's that. I think it's <laughs> it's the type of death that they're causing because aren't you know when you talk about op- opioids or tobacco or alcohol it's usually slow and it's over the course of time unlike good old-fashioned organ failure that you yes. get from this opioids. Was like, Boom. this was like when kids were drinking monster and like 20 kids in the u.s died because they drank like 15 monsters in one day it's like or the, kid, and, the kids and, that drank pepsi and had pop and rocks had and their stomachs attack. exploded right, right. And it's like that's why awesome. are we focusing yeah, so much attention on this so then they were like should we make monster illegal my uh my mom didn't let me use bengay because there was this like swimmer this girl swimmer who was like 90 pounds and would unle- like unleash an entire bottle bot- uh, bottle on each leg after every day of practice hmm. and she died wow yeah so i mean menthol yeah i guess addiction. so you ever wonder when you see some of those products on tv that go you know here's to help with your eyesight side effects include, include death. severe constipation well, like, and they're dancing like, around that, that the means meadow. that someone had to take that medicine to fix their eye and died yeah, yeah. Right, because I can't list a side effect unless it's happened. Didn't Barney on The true. Simpsons? He was a human tester guy. Yeah, that's how he got all the money for the uh, for the blimp ticket. <laughs> yeah. But he used to, but he used to be really smart in college before Homer gave him a beer. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that ruined him. I, I remember Homer's first beer was the night that they landed on the moon. I think. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Was okay, that, so anyways, we're talking about Joe Cool. No, no, or Matt no, no, Robinson. no, no, no. That's when he was listening to "Yummy, Yummy, Yummy." I have love in my oh, tummy. Oh, and I feel like love. It. Love yeah. is such a sweet thing. He was his eat. first beer was he stayed up all night listening to Queen. Yes, when mm. I was seventeen, which is yeah. also Frank Sinatra song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so back to Mr. Back anyways, to, Matt Robinson, Frank Sinatra. Continue. Yeah. The way I'm looking at it is I'm, I'm telling myself a couple things about this game. One, you had a lot of starters that were out. Two, you were playing a team that kind of was going to throw everything they had at you because they were giving everything they could to get one win. Spoiler. Yes. Yeah, spoil- so to speak. Right? It, well, just to get their one win so they don't have a zero in their Big Ten record. Yeah. You already have everything that you could possibly have locked up. It was and, a bonus. Yeah. Right? Well, it would have been nice to a win cherry this game. cherry on top. And you definitely would have finished the season. Well, you would have clinched finishing the season above 500. But I feel like you were playing a team that kind of had more to go for than you did. They're looking at this as their last chance. They're also looking at you as a team that is kind of beatable. And at the end of the day, at the end of the year, you're 6-6. Six and six, That's what we were hoping to be. The only reason that we're kind of looking at it with a negative connotation is because the losses are to uh, EMU and Northwestern. I, and it's, it's just a matter of, do you think that the EMU and Northwestern losses are worse than the Wisconsin and Michigan State wins are good? And at the at the moment right now, we're closer to one of the losses, so that's kind of why I think more people are focusing on the uh, on the negative aspects of yeah, how I the mean, season turned out. There were out. a lot of readjustment of expectations throughout the year. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it depends. You know, like after the Eastern Michigan game, if you pause time right there and said you're going to go 6-6 six and six and go to a pinstripe You would have been ecstatic. And then if you pause time after you go six and four at MSU and say you're going to lose to a winless Northwestern You would have been upset. <laughs> so it's a fair point that depending on at what point in the season you delineated what the outcome of the season would be, there'd be different reactions to it. I don't buy your first point at all that you were hurt because Northwestern is starting their fourth string quarterback. Yeah. So but, like, like I, I understand yeah. like people are saying, well, Illinois' first string defenders were out. Well, Northwestern's first, second, and third string offense was out. Okay, so <laughs> well, like, and here's the thing too, and I was talking about that the, the opening segment about three excuses that I tended to see on Twitter during that game. 
The first one was injuries, which I think eh, Nolan Void, those are negated. It's a wash, right? If you're going to say weather, eh, wash, it wasn't even raining the second half. And you know what? I didn't even go with the weather thing because I thought that was playing in Illinois' favor. I wasn't buying that thing. It didn't rain the entire game. The second thing that I mentioned I was depth. And I thought, well, if we're having this discussion, this is a total indictment on Lovey Smith. This is not your two. And I said even being charitable, Harry, you're three. If you're extremely charitable, but you need to have more depth and you need to have more pieces. So if you have some of these guys go out, listen, there's no doubt. We looked at the injury list and I even sent you guys that in the thread. And we said, oh boy. But my uh, boy was, yeah, okay, well, let's just win 20 to 17. I don't care. At that point, style points went out the window, right. and it was just about winning the ugly game at home by doing what? Giving the ball to, I don't know, Dre Brown, maybe not running horizontal every freaking play with Reggie Corbin and putting him in no position to succeed where he had negative yards for the game. It, yeah, it he, was, he had seven carries for negative 10 yards. It was a total... That's averaging more than one negative one yard he, per attempt. And the third one, and this is sort of what you were alluding to, Harry, and I, I do find this interesting, and I don't want to downplay it because, listen... I woke up on Saturday thinking, hey, this is kind of nice. We're already six and five, and let's just get a win. Doesn't need to be great. And knowing that I would just have a nice, warm, and fuzzy feeling, but at the same time, I wasn't nervous because there wasn't that much on the line. Yeah. Right. But it is a rivalry game. Northwestern annoys me. So I did still want that win. And to see the lethargic nature with which Illinois came out, to me, that was an al- uh, alarming display because. Yeah, you and I can say that. And even you, as someone that was in the locker room, can say that with far more authenticity than I could. But come on. I mean, this is why we pay Lovey Smith $3 million plus to somehow get the troops up to play your rival. And you didn't even need an A game. You might not have even needed a B-plus game. But Illinois gave their D-minus game, and that's why they got their butts kicked. I don't disagree I'm, with no, any No, I of agree that. With, with what you're saying. But I think there's something to be said. I'm just said. looking at the Agreed. fact that this game was as close to kind of what Nor- Northwestern had against you last year, and that game kind of ended closer than they would have hoped Right, for. so like if, if you ignore the rest of Northwestern season and you started the year and told me that North, Northwestern was going to win 29-10, I'd say that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah so but, it, but I think, and you're correct about that, because the talent differential is not obscene, no, right? It's, it's fairly it's really close. Not. you got to remember that at the end of the day, this team, I'm not going to make the direct comparison, but it's kind of similar to the, uh, what was it, the 2015 MSU team coming off of a really good season, winning the, their division, and then having a very disappointing season. You're still bringing back most of the same guys who can kind of put together that, I don't even want to say spoiler game because it's not it's not like they're coming out and lighting the world on fire. You're just kind of more not living up to the expectations you've set for yourself over the last month. Does think, that make sense? I think it my macro sense. concern from that game is defense, defensively. 368 yards on that, the ground for Northwestern when you knew what was coming and right. you were stacking My concern with that is you see the run defense that you saw for 40 games before like three or four games into I don't really know if running backs had one breakout game against Illinois this season other than maybe the Minnesota road game that, that I was could bad. remember. But, I mean, the last few years, every time even a decent running back came to town, he just gassed you. And you hadn't seen that for almost two months now. And then some guy named Coco comes in here and rushes for like 200 yards. It's frustrating that two of the best quarterback performances were Consiglioco or whatever from UConn. And or Zagri. What the hell was his name? Zagri And Andrew Marty. Which, by the way, what was the title that you came up with? That Marty was... McWhy. Marty McWhy. <laughs> now, to be fair, they read optioned Illinois to death. And that's what Tanner Morgan did. That's what teams that were more optiony 
did, and that is a big weakness for Illinois' defense. There's two. There's the seam route, and there's the RPO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Wisconsin was dumb and didn't do it, and Iowa didn't do it enough. Also— but, uh, you, you know, I mean, so, I mean, there's something— I, go ahead. H- how many turnovers did they have? They had one. Lovey Ball disappeared these last two games. But here's the yeah. thing. When you did get it in that, what, uh, early second quarter, yep. I think, Nate Hobbs gets the interception, has a pretty nice return, and then you have a great throw and catch to Caleb Reams mm-hmm. on the sideline, and then you punch it in with, guess who? Dre Brown. And at that moment, I even said to Kara as we're watching this, okay, I'm loose now. We got the touchdown. I, I think we know what this game is going to be because Northwestern, it's not like their game plan was going to change. It's no. not like they were going to come out and start you know, flinging the ball around. They ran it 65 times and yeah. threw it, I think, four times, five times, something and like that. And one of those few times they did, it was so eerily reminiscent of the Stripe the Stadium game, except this is an Ohio State. This is a winless Northwestern team, and this is where I feel like all the context in the world, we can strip it away and just simplify it. Regardless of injuries, you can't lose that game in the manner in which you did. I know yeah. that any given Saturday, yep, that's fair. Yeah. Yep. any given Saturday, manhandled. things can happen. You were manhandled. They, they outgained should. you by 200 yards. They had almost 300 rushing yards. You had, what, 17? You can't lose by 20 points. Well, and I would have been team. upset, too, if you had lost 20 to 17 in just some weird sort of game. But at the same right. time, as the dust would have settled, I would have said... Okay, there was you know a, what? The, the, all the context considered here, the fact that you lost by three points at home, uh, okay, it happens. There was no Beckman thing where you could point to it and say, if that play doesn't happen, then we win the game. Yeah, there was it literally 25 right. runs that... So it, I guess it was a Beckman thing. It, it wasn't one bad ref call. It wasn't one long like USF throw, right, where the guy's wide open oh my God, and I it's a 70-yard touchdown. <laughs> but, but and you go, this. oh, well, that was one blown. Like, No, the entire game they manhandled you, the entire game. And That's we, why I was, I was thinking about this game, and it's hard to kind of pinpoint what one thing, because I don't think it was one thing. I think you got to look at it, and you know, I do think the injuries obviously played a factor, but I think you got to look at it as they're going into this game probably the entire week thinking, yeah, it's a rivalry game. There's not going to be anyone there. That plays a factor. It kind of feels like oh, a practice sure at that point. Sure. When there's, I mean, the thing said 35,000. I oh, think there, there was, was like 5,000. 5, there was no there. one there. Trevor, did you go? Nope. I just I, woke up and it was pouring rain. And that's, and an, that's, just, that's just a side note. Why don't we put the game of our quote-unquote biggest rival earlier in the year? I know That's now a Big every, Ten thing. Well, it's it's. I think it's a nationwide thing. I liked it when it was on homecoming to start the Big Ten. Season. It was great. Just put it earlier. If you did, I mean, it's remarkable the difference. But then all of a sudden you have like, let's say, I don't know, Purdue coming to town on November thirtieth, and good luck. Yeah, trying. right. I mean, but and it, but this is what's so frustrating. Yeah, but who cares about it. at that point? It's a team you don't care about. You know exactly. So if you aren't going to get people there anyways, you might as well yeah. play a team that you don't care about. Can, but then you well, got like, Purdue. You got all these protected rivalries. So then it'd be like, well, which rivalry are you poaching from next year? That last your last home game is Ohio State. With like a week to go in November, so that but be that's a pretty... that's still before Thanksgiving. I think that I mean obviously it's plays the week the before. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so no one's here Thanksgiving. You're right about that though. I mean, it was a game that when it started, I had this weird sense, and it didn't quite feel right. And it started with the opening shot of the stadium, which I anticipated. But even when you see it, it's still jarring. And I yeah. imagine for the players, they're thinking, "Well, we had a good season. What the hell is this?" It's now, nothing against the team. I mean, we said this a couple no, weeks ago. Not. If you're if both teams are eleven and zero going for the Big Ten West, you still might get. 35,000 then. But maybe. Of, of all the alarming things, and you can look at 368 rushing yards and holy crap. I mean, against this uh, Northwestern. I would say game, that's the most, but that, that is, but how many of those yards? And this is to me the most alarming thing. We're after contact. This is just an yeah. absolutely abysmal effort. And this is what really parallels between the football and the basketball team's performances this weekend, if you include Monday evening, that just abysmal effort. 
would that would and it no make, and the, the switch an I guess expectation turned on for that basketball. you show up and win would it make yeah. would it would it make sense to say that's kind of I, I'm not gonna say it's not discourage it's not encouraging but it's not discouraging that the reason you would have lost this game would have had to do with effort I going, find it more discouraging and I'll tell you why okay because it seems to me especially with basketball and we're gonna probably blur the lines a bit between the football game Good and the song. basketball game because it was just one big turd Sunday blur okay lines. Yeah, yeah, good music great video, video. great yeah. music Emily video Radikowski. oh my good hubba casting. hubba good casting yeah <laughs> oh yeah yes I think uh, Robin Thicke might be Mr. Cool he's very cool he okay. might be up there for the Mr. I cool I mean the award. connotation of the song is terrible but yeah, sure. He is Mr. Cool. I never what did. is the connotation of the song? What are blurred well, lines? Well, it's like he does like it's like a rape thing. You oh, is it really? Yeah, if you mm. listen to it, because oh, he's God. talking about like Consent does she say yes that? or no, and it's a blurred line. Wow, <laughs> not oh, quite wow. the white kitschy video that I thought no, it was. No, it's like uh, baby, it's cold outside. Yeah, that which by the way, insanely too, rapey. Too uh, too woke to play that anymore. Which yeah. by the way, we're driving back from Michigan. They got the new Sirius <laughs> Christmas Channel, yep. and they have the uh, woke version of it they with John it. Legend and so and so. Played What's it the woke nausea. version. What does that mean? It's PC now. Instead of the guy like locking the door and slipping something in her drink, I don't Does know. Does he what. say that in the song? Yeah, she says like, "What'd you put in this drink?" or something. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> is that in God. the original yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew it was bad, but <laughs> holy crap, that's awful. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, Jeez, back. How do we transition? Fly me to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so you were saying why effort, the effort is yeah, yeah. more worrisome. Well, you you say your reason, and I want to give my reason. Okay. Because here's the deal. Let's pretend. And I think this is actually an okay assumption to take here is that you're six and five as a football team and you got Northwestern coming to town, four string quarterback. It is impossible to not let up a little bit on the acceleration pedal and think mm-hmm. we can just cruise to victory. But here's the problem. You're Illinois football. Yeah. You haven't really proven all that much yet because even after the Iowa game, none of us would have said, oh, they turned the corner. In fact, we just said, you know, hey, it's not a step back. It's a small step forward. You competed on the road against a ranked team. That, to me, gave me a lot of confidence going into this game that we were trending in the right direction. And then in one fell swoop, in one day, I'm reminded that, no, these guys are not ready to play. This this is the whole thing about this year. You're two and four. I think it's far easier to play when there are absolutely zero expectations about what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And then finally, when you do get expectations, however meager they are, hmm. to beat freaking Northwestern, this team pisses themselves and makes an embarrassment. <laughs> and don't, we'll get to that. basketball in a bit, but that's what scares me for next year. It is so easy to say, looking at that schedule and everyone coming back, oh, seven and five, eight and four. Give me a break. I've seen this time and time again. Good luck. Lovey Smith in trying to change the culture back to now a position where they play as a team to be reckoned with, which I don't even think they're going to be considered that by Vegas. We're probably looking over under a five and a half. They aren't buying it. I'm going to take everything you just said and use that as a reason that I think that this was probably the best time this could have happened to them. So it's a, a nice reminder that didn't cost you anything. Yes, it cost okay. you absolutely That's nothing. Fair. And you get a kick in the teeth from a really bad team. You have all your coaches saying, you think you guys arrived. You have not arrived. You're a 6-6 six and six football team. If you won that game, you would have been 7-5. and five. There's teams that are 9-3, and 10-2, considering their season a lost cause. This is the worst season Alabama has had in years. Right, and they're ten and two, and they're probably going to the Sugar Bowl or Their something. Their kicker wrote an apology. Yeah, for missing a field goal in the Iron Bowl. <laughs> Minnesota, Alabama boys, get ready. Oh, that's gonna be. I'm gonna. 
You know, this is the kind of game Alabama loses, but we'll get to that in a little. Oh, only, I, I wouldn't bet on Alabama to save my life in this game. Do you think they care about this game at, oh, all? Not at all? No, But exactly. No. Okay, but okay. Nothing changes because of this game as far as your seeding. Say you win this game, then you're seven and five. Then you win your bowl game. Then you're eight and five going into next year. You win your first four games. You're probably it inflates the expectations yeah, even more. Well, we prob- talked about this last week. Yeah, yeah, you're probably I'm I don't know seventeenth in the nation at that point after how many there'll be two six straight wins. Then you go up to Nebraska against Lincoln. Then you're kind of feeling your oats a little bit, and then you get smacked the same way you just got smacked against Northwestern right now. I'm not saying you're going to go in there and win now next right. year, mm-hmm. but I think if this is going to happen, I think this was the best time for this to happen. So, so, so to remind a, them of like what yeah. you said, who they are. Carp saying it's like a sobering reality check. Whereas you're saying that it is it's a, a, necessary, wor- a necessary reality yes. check. Yes, a necessary okay. step right. in the long term journey of this program and I, I do get that to an extent because if I were to go back to let's say 2007 the last time that they had a winning regular season and that is bizarre right I mean for me I wanted to slay another dragon however minor yeah, it and be. it looked like it was going to happen yes yeah, seven and five and you when you won that Michigan State game we're even having you know visions of tulips dancing in her what is that even a thing what the hell am Vision I talking about sugar plums. <laughs> sugar, plum sugar plum fairies and all that right Vicious that eight and four was actually attainable but after the iowa game i was like assured that they're going to beat northwestern mm-hmm. and that was my new expectation hence why i was probably so peeved throughout that entire game and now that you mentioned that i don't think that excuses the coaching performance i don't think that excuses the oh, team at all not at all but there may be something to this because if you tell me they come out and they win the bowl game. I don't care who they're playing. Pitt in the pinstripe well, bowl. Well, now the bowl game, the... my point now is that the bowl game, unfortunately, has to matter. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was hoping that they'd be – we'll get back to your point. I'm just saying I was hoping they'd be 7-5, and five, and if they came out and lost 40-25 to 25 or 40-30, to 30, I'd be like, oh, well, Pitt beat you. But now, if you come out and lose 40-17 to 17 to Pitt – you don't feel great. I'm you sorry. Have a you just don't. To Ooh. finish the season with a losing record, which is what we said a couple weeks ago. The last thing you want is to finish with three straight losses. And here's the problem too: is that you know there weren't that many people in the stands to witness this firsthand and say, you know what, screw this, I'm not getting season tickets next year. But all they really had to do was just hold serve. That's it. Hold serve to keep the good vibes going, and they came crashing down. So this is what, like Trevor said here. Whatever the bowl game is and whoever the opponent is, if you have a poor showing in that, <laughs> I mean, we'll enter next year thinking, well, I mean, they're better for sure. And there will be a few more people going to the games, but it has yet to have that moment, even with Wisconsin, even with Michigan State. It reminds me a lot of Ron Zook's last couple of years where despite a couple big wins, people kind of knew they, they were not buying in. And I, that's where I think the bowl game does matter. If you're going to get true buy-in, they need to come out with an impressive performance, whoever they play. Yep. I'd agree with that. And I think your point is interesting that I hadn't considered. Any time this year Illinois has been two games above 500, they've lost. Oh, wow. Right? Because they're 2-0 and and they lose four in a row. Then they work their way back up to 6-4 and four and they lose two in a row. Playing so with there's something to be said for playing with expectations and how poorly they've performed when that's the case. Eastern Michigan comes to town when you're 2-0, and and you should not have been feeling all that great after the UConn game, but maybe they were still thinking about Akron, and, well, we're just going to do the same thing to another MAC team, and what happens? They get embarrassed. Same thing here where you look back to, and maybe they were with the weather as they're getting warmed up on the field. Oh, man, it's just like that Purdue game, except this is Purdue light. This isn't even a team as good this as Purdue This is Purdue light at home. Yeah, at <laughs> home. it's not on a grass field, by the way, which right. makes a big difference when you're playing that kind and of I game, which it didn't even turn into advantageous for Illinois right. or when you're running the ball, it should be. But then at the same time, when if they you start, ran the ball, if you ran the ball, 
And I think yeah. Carp's point summarizes the whole thing for me. It's just that it was 29-10. It wasn't close. And they and outgained that's the, you that's the, the entire game, thing. right? And it's not like – and the Matt Robinson thing is whatever because I hopefully will never see him starting a quarterback again. I, it's not a personal shot at him. It's just – It's look, just, Yeah, I mean you What brought, he's producing is not – well, yeah, you good, have a guy next right? year who should start every game where he's healthy. And but I'm even in, talking uh, about the depth because you got Isaiah and then well, you got C.J. Dixon, yeah. a four-star recruit coming in. I don't want to see Robinson coming in even if somebody's hurt next year. No, I get is that. Is my point. I get the, yeah, so I, yeah. the offense is a little bit of a wash for me. Also, Northwestern's defense was not bad at any point this year. And I'm not trying to do a revisionist history thing here, but even against Minnesota, against other teams like that, they kept it close. The against... scores ended up being, you know, 26-10. Minnesota beats Northwestern. At Wisconsin, they competed. At Wisconsin, they competed. Yeah. Purdue beats them like 24-20. Field goal. At the you end. Know, it wasn't like they were losing games in a UConn-like way where the opponent was was winning 50 to 10. You know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't ever like that. Yeah. So I knew the offense, especially with Matt Robinson at quarterback, was not going to come out and score 40 points, but. It was bad, but then at the same time, it's like I'm not putting too much long-term stock into the failures of the offense from that game other than play calling. That's the concern because if we look at a long-term ramification of 2019, the offense was never consistently good. It had moments, and to their credit, they tended to score when the defense gave them the well, ball. Well, that's the thing. is like People are looking at the yardage, right? And Illinois' offense this year, I forget the exact number, but they had a lot less yards than the offense the previous year. Offense the previous year was predicated on a lot of home run plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Reggie Corbin against Wisconsin had that reverse, like, 85-yard run. <laughs> and the counter. A.J. Bush counter. had some big uh, runs. A.J. Bush had a few yeah. against Rutgers. Dre Brown had a 70-something against uh, Minnesota. Reggie Corbin had a 70-something against Minnesota. We didn't Minnesota. have those this year. There were none of those. I don't even remember. Maybe, 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 had maybe I'm forgetting one. In MSU, yeah. Uh, Reggie Corbin one. had one to start the game against Nebraska. Yeah, that was, um, yeah. But the, the point is, yeah. because of the takeaways, you also had a bunch of short fields. There was a stat that right? was going around on Twitter about... They were about, opportunistic, which yeah, is something... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There was a stat that was going around Twitter, and I do think it was slightly misleading, and, and I'll explain what it is. It's that Illinois didn't gain or outgain anyone in the Big Ten schedule other than Rutgers. That's what now, I'm pointing to, though, because yes. I think that's very misleading. I, I think to an extent... I'll take one game off the table right there, because Purdue got a bunch of garbage yards. Yep. So, yeah, you yeah. kicked the snot out of them, and you did what you could on a bad field. I don't count that. I don't count Rutgers. And then you look at the other games. Well, of course, Wisconsin is going to outgain you. Of course, Michigan State, which still is a better program than you are, they were going to outgain you. I, well, that's fine. It's acknowledging where you're at, but also wondering, okay, for Rod Smith and what this offense is, I thought that he would adapt a little bit more smoothly to a, if you want to call him drop back, even though he can run Brandon Peters. Yeah, a more conservative pro-style mm-hmm. offense. And instead... It was this weird mishmash where I don't know what the identity was, apart from Brandon Peters kind of saving our ass a few times. Pulling a rabbit out of a hat, yeah. Right, making the occasional bad play, but to his credit, you want him out there. Right, and I don't don't think the run game was that good this year, which was a little sober. You had two really good running backs, but your running game was... But did you? I mean, Reggie Corbin was not great this year. Yeah, but but I think that's because you didn't feed him the ball. But what about the offensive line, though? I mean, you fed it to him seven times, and he went for negative 10 yards. Yeah, but I'm, I'm... that's why I'm trying to take this game and just kind of put it in a vacuum. Okay, because that's Because you also just, look at the you know, way, I, like you, even you said, Carp, a lot of horizontal running stuff you hadn't been doing a lot with. with uh, but some of that's Reggie. Yeah. He finds a hole and decides to bounce it out east-west instead of go ahead. I got nothing. But here's the thing, the, though. The S&P Plus offense is 87th that finished this year, and it's they were terrible. top 50 last year. The now, defense finishes 50th. Which so is you basically flipped a vast improvement, and that is something I never would have expected. And credit to Levy for that, even and though isn't that the story of Illinois football? The units always flip, right? Shieldhouse <laughs> and Cupid had that one really good year, and you're like, holy crap! Then the next year they're terrible, and the defense steps defense up, and you have like merciless in 2015, like in 2014. 
2014, the defense is okay. 2015, the defense is really good, but with Wes one at the helm, yeah. they'll keep its offense. The point is, any time you go into an offseason counting on one thing and working on the other, it always seems to flip. There's no synchronicity. Nope. Great police album, uh, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, as I look at this, though, and Rod Smith in the future here, I, I made, in, in full disclosure, because we're sitting here now on Tuesday night, and we can look at things a little bit more objectively. I came down here, for better or worse, after the Illinois basketball game, and when I started thinking of Rod Smith, I thought, you know, it, go, going back to the post-Wisconsin tweet about fans and all that, and then what, what I really get sick of is anyone in his position, anyone that's a coach that's making a lot of money to do this, when it starts turning in this you know, kind of acrimonious or confrontational thing with fan bases, this sort of meathead, coach-speak sort of thing, I, it just really bothers me. So this is this uh, that's a weird diversion to even bring up but i guess the on-field performance does not grant him any cachet any leeway right he's right. the he's yeah, sure he's the most handsomely paid assistant on that staff he's paid like he's an offensive guru the offense stunk this year and you cannot tell me that there weren't weapons to work with there was enough and he didn't figure it out there was enough for it to not be which is this is how it finished 14th in something yards per game, uh, 13th in another, 12th in another, 14th. You, I mean, there were several that you finished 14th, and that means you need to consider the fact that your offense was worse than Rutgers. You can make – here's the thing. You look at the offense. That ain't I th- good. I think the offensive line was pretty good because you brought back a lot of the people you brought from last year. It minus was fine. It wasn't ever a problem. It wasn't as good as think, it was right? last year. But it was never a problem. No, it was never a problem. I mean, obviously, problem. Kramer went down halfway through the Northwestern game, and Kendrick Green had to slide over. But other than that, I don't think you had an injury. No. Yeah, but, but you say it wasn't a problem, but here's the thing. Normally, I would like to just kind of ignore if I if I'm not paying attention to the offensive line. That's usually a good thing. Yeah. I think I largely didn't pay attention to the offensive. But line. often, if you look at like the first half of the Michigan State game, or really the entirety of the Iowa game, which I know Iowa has a pretty good defensive line and they got good pass rushers, but you know Brandon Peters was running for his life, and I understand that there were times that he held the ball too long. But you started to see, especially when Matt Robinson was out there again, running like a chicken with his head cut off because that's all he could do, and that Reggie Corbin had no running lanes. He was saying, "Come fly with me." Not um, a, not a cool. Fly away. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, well, there might be something here too. And think about the weakness. And this is what's so weird about this team that they made an improvement despite the offense taking a huge step back. And they made an improvement with what I think is subpar offensive and defensive line play. Oh, for sure. I think defensive, the defensive tackles line have been a big fine. Problem. Defen- D tackles were fine in the run per- uh, in the run game, but that edge rush was non-existent. I think in the you big need time. to look yeah. at Austin Clark. And I know we talked about this before, but I mean, look at where he started with these guys two years ago and show me a single one of them that's developed into a better player under him. And then the offensive line as well, who the guy's name even escapes me. I don't even know. Bob McClain. Thank Bob McClain. He was the first year, correct? Yes. And for Luke Buckus. To step back. I have no. Despite returning everybody and adding Richie Pettibon. Yeah, I, I have no opinion on the offensive line coach. I don't know him personally. And the last coach that was there. Uh, was probably my favorite coach I had in Luke Buckus, but you saw a notable improvement with Buckus, and it did seem that while last year you did get um, a little lucky, you didn't have any injuries last year. Last year you got superior line play. Yeah, I would. and this year I think it was still above average, but I do think there was instances like when you're going up against larger competition, say Iowa. I mean, you just cited the two top defenses they played, Michigan State and Iowa. Yeah, and that's when you had your problems. But just looking at the uh, offense as a whole, I think your offensive line is average to above average. You have a receiver that you could probably put in the top five or ten. I'm not in the worried Big about 10. receivers at all next year. Well, no, I'm just saying. Are we assuming Josh comes uh, comes no, back? No, I'm, yes. I'm looking back at this past season. Oh, okay, okay. You have a receiver that could you say definitely top ten, maybe top five in the Big Ten in Josh. Sure. I mean, on touchdowns alone, yeah. Yeah, you have a running back that is definitely top five in the Big Ten, and then you have a quarterback that I think is serviceable. 
with all those in mind, you should be able to put together an offense that that's is better than 14. That is right? better I than mean, dead last. Yeah. Yeah. And that's some categories. I'm not saying overall. I think overall they were like 10. You shouldn't be dead last in any category. Right, right, right. But here's the thing. So this idea that continuity alone is going to equal more success, that's my concern because the continuity can be a good thing, but it's also another situation where other Big Ten coaches, well, okay, we know exactly what they did last year. We yeah. got the tape on them, and well, we know yeah. this is where the offense is. I mean, there's continuity, but A.J. Bush to Brandon Peters is the opposite of continuity for that offense, right? Yeah, you're right, and that's why, in a way, I thought the lack of tape on a Brandon Peters and the uh, playmakers that you did add enough to make it a serviceable offense, or what should have been. So as we go forward, and Trevor, you made a point, I think, uh, two three weeks back, that if there's a time to make these changes and make improvements, it's actually after you had some modicum of success. In other words, there's yeah, no I, reason I, for them I to get... I was warning against them getting stagnant in the offseason and saying, okay, 6-6 six and six is a building block. Let's not change anything and make it 8-4. and four. But at the same right. time, we were looking at it back then thinking that you would that you might get to 7, maybe even 8 sure. wins. And if you're Illinois, you take 7 or 8 wins. Yeah, I guess my point on Rod Smith is, is not that I'm like calling for his job or something, but I think now you have to see something next year, right? Because you're adding yeah. Luke Ford. You're presumably getting Ricky Smalling back. I know he hasn't been great, but he's still a decent receiver. Well, he was injured a lot this year, and, and he's, then, he has playmaking ability. And if you're keeping Bebe, that's obviously a big weapon. You have another year of development for Isaiah Williams. You have another you, year of development for Brandon Peters. Are we saying – This offense coming has back. to be – I don't know. It'd be cool if he did. It would be cool. I mean, he's he like 27 and but married. But you so mentioned I don't blame him if he 27. <laughs> he looks like he's 27. Trevor, you mentioned though we need to see something next year from yeah. Rod Smith. And but if, here's if, the thing: it becomes a show me year and not just a keep doing what you're doing, Rod. What's but the if, show if they, I don't know. It's Texas, like, right? No, that's a Lone Star State. Show me state, Missouri. That sounds right. Show is it? me. I'm, I'm looking it up. Look up the show me. Show state. me what? But to your point, that's a state that it is a show me year for Rod Smith. I think if they don't look great in the bowl game, it's a show me year for Lovey. And I would not have anticipated that. I I don't think because you've reached six wins, if you lose the bowl game and then come out and say lose one or two of those first four games next year, that his seat is any cooler. It is Missouri. Okay. What's there to even show? Branson, Hannibal, which is where Tom Sawyer, or sorry, Mark Twain lived. Anyways. um, (laughs) East St. Louis. That's in Illinois. They called it Missouri. Missouri, that's right. That's right. I'll be over. It'll be. What is that? Oh God, that line from The Simpsons. Over my dead body, will they? Before I recognize <laughs> yeah, Missouri, Missouri as a state. That's right. Yeah, the, four, the, the flag states. with forty nine yeah. states. <laughs> um, I'll be yeah, cold I, and dead in the ground before I recognize Missouri. <laughs> Two bees for a quarter. That was great. Yeah. Um, I think next year still show me year for everybody, because I think now you've set the bar high enough that if there's even a month-long stretch where you revert to year one or two lovey ball, that's really, really, really concerning next year. I think this bought you. It's weird because at the beginning of the year, I feel like a lot of people, we were saying here, it's a it's a year where you want at least five wins and six would be good and then that would be enough to buy him a little bit of time. The whole time I was just thinking, this is your, what? what is this, year four? Mm-hmm. This is fourth year? I, I was saying the whole time, you got to be in a bowl game by year four. You are in a bowl game. That should buy you enough time for next year. But you're right. I still think it is a show me year because you if can't you, like go three and nine or four and eight next year and say, regre- "Well, we made a bowl game a year yeah, ago." Right? If you regress, people would be done. If you re- absolutely done that, you fired Ron Zook after two consecutive six and six years, and as you should have. I mean, frankly, as you should have. Right. Right. But if you are to and just back to the idea of like, and not that the attendance for the Northwestern game is really indicative of this. It's like They wouldn't have been there anyway. No, I was there yeah. for a Big Ten title game, and there were 34,000 people there for a Big Ten freaking it's, title. It's a poorly tied... You know what they should do? 
And I didn't like when we put the uh, Northwestern game in Chicago. That's why we, they moved it, though, because well, the attendance was so I don't awful. like doing it as our home game. If you do it there every single year yeah, for just make it both a, of you, yeah. that's fine. I'm fine with that. I'd be fine with it, too, at this point. The same way you do Oklahoma, yeah. Texas at the yeah. Cotton Bowl. Because you are not getting any fans in here in Champaign, no matter what, ever. Because it's after Thanksgiving and everyone's home. But you know what? It can't be a Soldier Field. you got to do the Wrigley Field Classic or something. Make that your thing. Which you probably can't now after the renovations. I guess, yeah, yeah, somewhere a little smaller. Because yeah. you're not selling out Soldier Field. Although, Bridgeview you know what? Stadium or the uh, what the, the Chicago Fire play. <laughs> you know what? If, you, if you're playing for something one year, though, I could see Soldier Field selling out. I bet you actually U.S. Cellular would actually be an okay venue for a football game, too. Right off the interstate, it easy for people to get to. It makes it easier for me to get off the interstate than get on LSD and have to drive yeah. around it. To you take LSD? LSD. That's right. I take LSD. Oh, my That's God. Right. That's a... Right through downtown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes okay. it awfully hard to drive. So we are... <laughs> hey, by the way, when are we going to know the bowl game? Is it Friday? Sunday. It's Friday Next Sunday? week. Okay. Sunday. So they reveal the top four. And they take like an hour to do it. And mm-hmm. then throughout the afternoon as the show goes on, they just reveal a bunch more. Can we but, talk about that later? Well, there. what's that? Just Which some macro, no macro college football playoff stuff. Oh, of course. We'll do I, that I, That's week. something that I just love talking about. But just like seeing Alabama all the way down at 12, I think that's more of a statement than anything else. I'm so tired of talking about Alabama. Yeah, I'm sick of it. You like, know what? Like my, yeah. I get the ESPN thing. The first footnote is Alabama drops to 12. The second is your new top four. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Because yeah. they're, they're sort of like ESPN has done this too. They latch on to Tim Tebow. Alabama, and for whatever reason, there's these sort of buzzwords or, or teams or players that they just won't shut up about. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's It becomes a focal point. Yeah, I mean, like LeBron, I get because he's the greatest player of all time. Alabama, to an extent, I get because this is the best run in modern college football history that Nick Saban's had. But like this week specifically, why is that the first footnote on their show? Th- th- I would agree with that. Alabama's because, irrelevant now. Well, I guess I would say it's because it's the first time they're irrelevant. People want to see they were <laughs> but what? It, there's some irony in the fact that we are now talking about them because it's the first time they're irrelevant. Well, yeah. When the fact mm-hmm. is they're irrelevant now. Yeah. So like we even talk about them when they're irrelevant because it's noteworthy that they're not worth talking about correct yeah. but That's see I, once you start that i don't think it continues on while they are oh, around. i don't know tune into paul feinbaum that's all we'll talk well about they only the talked next... about is the sec yeah yeah hmm. matt robinson told us that uh the best is yet to come oh my god uh. <laughs> <laughs> on that note so i listen alumni football they did what they had to do ultimately. Yes. Sour taste in the summary. mouth a little bit after that game. But I really do think that long term, and I said this, the Illinois Northwestern rivalry, if you want to call it that, I find Northwestern to be a pest, despite the fact they kick our butts every year seemingly. Go away. Go away. I'm going to enjoy the bleep out of the shut up. He is such a dumb meathead <laughs> fool. That somehow got his degree from Northwestern, and kudos to him for that, so he probably can't be that dumb. Uh, he likes crappy country music, and there is a delineation between good and crappy. He usually goes to, like, uh, what would be a crappy country artist? Dierks Bentley? Sure. Did I just lose half the audience there after I criticized <laughs> Dierks Bentley? Like, you know, because there are well, sometimes like, him and his wife go, to, they, they yeah. get in their Sunday best, I mean, and they go to the he's, country hey, show. I, and, as someone with awful taste in music, I just say, listen to what you want to listen to. You know, I, and I don't disagree with that. I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm nitpicking <laughs> now. I don't like, like the man. He reminds me of Dan Dockich in a way, and follow me here. Dan Dockich, potatoes kind of guy. Yeah, Dan Dockich, <laughs> when he's talking about a specific hoops play, is actually really good at it. Mm-hmm. He circles who's supposed to hedge the screen and who didn't, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Enjoyable I broadcast, and I think Benetti is a really good foil. Right. Now, for him. same thing with Pat Fitzgerald. I'm sure he actually draws up some really good plays. Mm-hmm, of course. But the problem is that he's such a blowhard in everything else they do that it makes it impossible for me to like them. Because yeah. Dockich will go, nope, right before the guy makes the free throw. 
And I'm like, why are you telling me no as he makes it? You could have just said nothing. <laughs> like, the, please refine your your weird uh, personality to the one thing that you're good at. And instead, guys like Pat Fitzgerald and Dan Dockage cannot stay out of their own way yes. because they get up and start talking about how, well, nope, that's not going to work even though it does. And Pat Fitzgerald, those kids and their phones, stop. Dan Dockage had this tagline for his radio show, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it was, opinions on everything. And I'm like, that's not good. Right. <laughs> because yeah, that means right. you have a lot of uneducated opinions. Right, right, I'm right. not going to come on here and be like, let me tell you a thing or two about Michigan State football. <laughs> I don't know enough. Right. But this sort of meat and potatoes, tells it like it is, I calls them as I sees them kind of guy, it, it just pisses me off to no end. And Pat Fitzgerald has this... Uh, Let's not poo poo meat and potatoes, by the way. No, meat and potatoes Delicious. are great. Excellent dish. Yes. Meat and potatoes are great, but it's sort of like the Jim Harbaugh. I drink like eight glasses of milk a day. Like this is some sort of <laughs> sign of machismo or something. Well, and they these, feed, these they guys feed. are not as smart as, as right. these sports journalists but who they feed lavish into over them. They feed into themselves with the same thing, right? Yes, like, of course. Because they do. the sports journalists laugh at Pat Fitzgerald, he then thinks he yeah. is funny and yeah. continues to do those things. You know what I mean? It, it's just the. F- I, and there's there may not be logic behind this. I'm admitting, as I say this right now, listen, I respect the man as a football coach because I have no choice but to respect he's a good what football he's done. coach. PJ Fleck, though, could go on a 15 year run at Minnesota, and that's not going to make me like him even more uh, or res- I'll respect his success, but I won't necessarily respect the manner in which he does it. And what I mean by that with Pat Fitzgerald is from the outset, there has been this sort of kitschy novelty act shtick, if you will. I'm the former player, and and also another thing, side note, Big Ten linebacking trophy, the Butkus Fitzgerald, (laughs) and as I saw someone rightly point out on Twitter, that's like saying, you know, the The Montana Rivers trophy, the Jim Brown, Matt Forte running back, (laughs) I love Matt Forte, he was really good, but there's there's a difference, you know, (laughs) when I saw that quote, I was ready to Toss my phone yeah. across the room. The yeah. Devin Hester, Viangelo Bentley punt return. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Kurt Kittner, Matt Robinson. No, I, I we kid, <laughs> Mr. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Gotta stop calling him Mr. Cool. Anyways, I don't like lo- losing to Pat Fitzgerald, but it. you can't do anything but say he's he owns you. He's he's, he's your daddy right now. He, he's one five in a row. What was that from? Pedro, Pedro Martinez, you say that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Who's your dad? So then they chanted that. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Illini basketball, kind of awkward transition there, but whatever. Uh, by the this, way, that was the first year that a good Illinois team lost to Northwestern since 1992. Yep. And you brought up that point. Every year Illinois had been to a bowl since 1992, they beat Northwestern. You know what's weird is on, I think, Friday, Steve Greenberg had tweeted that out. And for some reason, I had a total brain fart after just discussing it last week, re- forgetting that in 2011, you played him early. Because for some reason, I thought, wait a sec, I can't remember where that game was. Yeah. I told him 5-1 and one and then actually went, uh, reneged Six on and that. 6-0, yeah. 6 and oh, but you're right. 1992, you have to go all the way back to that. And I look back at the history of the series. And if you look from between, let's say, 76 and 96, you dominated and then Gary Barnett had a couple wins when Northwestern was good. Randy Walker, he got a couple wins, but really even Ron Turner and Ron Zook were beating Northwestern. Mm-hmm. So it, it's frustrating, and that is something that, you know, do I care that much? You're going to care more care to a degree. when they take over the lead, which looks inevitable now. What is, was it, 55-53? Oh, in the all-time series, yeah, you mean? And yeah, and four. And I also now unfortunately have to care about the bowl game and again i'm not saying that i wouldn't have otherwise cared you just would have been a cherry on top right but now it's like this kind of becomes an indicator for the next six months of no football as to what kind and it's unfair to put that all in one game no but i get it though but but there's such a difference between illinois beats florida state 
holy cow, oh, what an off cool. season. Versus Illinois loses three in a row, including their last game to Pitt. They're it, six and seven. You know what matters. I mean? I mean, it's a there's a big optics difference between those two things. Case in point, you go back to 2010 and the way that you beat Baylor. The way that you beat Baylor actually fed into some genuine optimism sure. for next year because everyone was coming back and Lon and I go in the air, dare to dream, but we weren't really all that far off well, because six and zero, yeah, we right. were six and zero, and you really should have been a nine and three team, uh-huh. even if you finished five hundred in the last right. six games. But yeah, I think it does matter, and I will be excited to get the announcement of when you're going to play, and then you know, listen, it's a game I get to watch in late December when we haven't had that for five years. Yeah. I'll take it. And I'm not complaining, but I think this past game just gives me a little bit more caution in the, into the future and maybe that's fine like Harry said maybe it's okay to have a little bit more caution for sure maybe we're getting too high on our horse but now it's a little bit more of a uh, instead of like a yes absolutely this was a magical year I thought you were going to say like just like two onomatopoeias like a, not as much of a uh, and more, of, more a, of a uh, <laughs> and a little bit of a, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay so basketball comes back they fought Boy, did they fight. I'm going to leave right now. Now, can we, what should we do first? The game or the social media? And I called it in the opening segment, making a mountain out of a molehill. I totally get it. I'm acknowledging that this is not necessarily a logical argument that I'm staging here. Well, I think it's logical. I'm just not as fired up about it because I don't care. I'm just annoyed. I I totally get it. I'm totally with you. It's just like there's a certain amount of where... Look, it's probably some intern in the DIA department oh, I know. who mm. says who has a quota of how many positive tweets they have to put out a day. So like I'm not gonna get that fired up about it, but I totally understand your can you just you and a lot of the fans and I I'm on your side of this would prefer breathing room over patronizing uh optimistic takes on a loss right yes absolutely and some people would prefer the immediate optimism and some people would prefer 24 hours of breathing room before they hear anything about it nick on twitter had uh, here's what i tweeted out because today i'm literally just kind of perusing instagram i hadn't even been on instagram for a few days and alani basketball had a picture of trent and which by the way great uniforms last night i love that like the curse of yeah now they're cursed and like frogert and i was thinking about how (laughs) i mean the home throwbacks you lost to winthrop in them and then that's the, right. the new home throwbacks, you lose this game, and it's like, man. Remember after the Winthrop game, people were like, well, taste. you know, they might be a tournament team this year. Well, they're, and if anyone says that about right. Miami, they very well might be, but that they're doesn't not. matter. They're not. They, they probably aren't. Okay, so anyways, this is, uh, I found this on Instagram, and it's a picture of Trent, and he's d up, getting low, getting ready to play some good he defense. He's square as a man, not like squares and lame, but he's just like as boxy looking in that picture as I've ever he's, seen. He is, yeah. He's, he's got great go. boxy posture. It says, we will always fight. And then to really kind of drive the point home, that stupid emoji that blows air out of its nostrils. The bull. Like, I, yeah. I refer to it as the bull because it looks like a bull that gets ready to charge like, like a cartoon tough. bull. Yeah. yeah. Like the I obnoxious guy at the gym that's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> 800 pound. So, <laughs> they also use the, the arm gun emoji with, uh, with, the, with the swole arm. Everyday yeah. guys. As someone said yesterday, every third day, guys. Okay, here's the thing and why I'm bringing this up. Fans don't want to hear this crap right now. Most don't. Okay? And, and and the 10% that do, listen, I kind of envy your Pollyanna existence. The last 48 hours, and now 72 hours of Illini fandom, have been utter crap. And actually, one of the worst stretches, when you consider how good we were feeling Friday evening, and then you yeah. wake up Saturday morning, and then... One, of, one of the biggest swerves. It's yeah. funny because if this football season played out the way that you, that you thought it was going to play out, and say you're you know, you have four wins going into the Northwestern game. 
then you pretty, probably don't care as much about that game, and this one just kind of seems like another annoying fake rally. Right. So my point with the whole diatribe, whatever you want to call it, about Illini social media, again, they're doing their job. They're trying to sell the program. They're trying to find any positive points they can, but it feels patronizing to me. It feels like you're trying to tell people it's one thing when people clearly know it's another. Coming back from a 27-point deficit to a non-tournament team at home, first off, should never have to happen. I don't know the last time Illinois was trailing by 27 against anyone at home. Ever. Uh, I don't know. I mean, legit. <laughs> have they ever been down 27 points at home? Uh, sure. I'm sure they have. I don't know a ton of games, but I do know there was a game a couple of years ago in Indiana where you lost by 50, but I think that was in Bloomington. Yeah, well, you were trailing early. It was a John Gross game where the first yes. half got out of hand, right? Yes. And that was the game. I don't that, even know if you were trailing by twenty seven in that I game. Think that I think really that don't. was the game that they lost like hundred to eighty, and yeah. it was a more. It was just like hundred right. to like yeah. six. You played yeah. it even yeah. in the second yeah. half. Yeah, yeah that's something. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as we're trading buckets for the first ten minutes of the second half, I felt that same sort of thing. Like I would see the crowd get enthused. I'm like, God dang, they're trying. <laughs> they're really trying. But if I would have been there, I would have been just fuming in the two hundred level or the former C section. The C section, which I would be a terrible logo for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> graphic and all I, I kept oh. I kept seeing the uh, like them getting pumped up and when the uh, the fans get a little pumped up then the announcers have to talk a little louder and I'm thinking it was 19 points at I halftime know. now it's like a 15 <laughs> point game well, they, and there is no, a, to their credit they yeah. got it all the way oh, back of course yeah. there is, there is a, a funny swing from a fan perspective like early on Illinois is up by 5 or whatever it was and the fans aren't really making that much noise because it's only 5 right. and then later in the game you cut it to 20 and the fans make more noise yeah but it's all relative based on where you're at in the game it is cut it to 20 <laughs> so uh between i mean when you're down 27 yeah. you cut it to 20 and, and I, I i don't want to belabor this but i and i know i am so i'm kind of talking on both sides of my mouth here but what i had said in the opening segment and i want to get your guys' thoughts on it is okay the social media thing the reason it's bothering me this is why and it's a lot more emotional than it is logical is that the use of I get it. Join the fight. Okay, fine. And that's the theme. Fight. Fight in line. We fought. We fight in this. We fight that. Okay. But then I see, uh, this is the big thing, back to football for a second, was the tweet from Josh Whitman on Sunday, which got a lot of attention. And I wasn't going to touch that with a 10-foot pole until I saw that there was already quite a reaction to it. The idea that this was a magical season, and the 95% of that tweet was 100% accurate about the seniors and everything that they did for this program, it's true. That's 100% true. It was not a magical season. It had magical moments. And maybe that's me playing semantics. But people, again, don't want to hear that crap after you lose in the manner that which you did to Northwestern. They I don't think, want to be told that was a magical season after that game. I think if he does the same tweet after a bowl win, it's different. Because but it's, even then, Harry, it's seven and six is not a magical season. But for us, it's it just, is. But, I mean, we were talking about this season in the same light as the Rose Bowl. But year. this is, re you know, that would reinforce to me, though. And it's sort of, no offense, White Sox fans. Okay. But. <laughs> It's this idea that if they were to go over 500, and I don't think many White Sox fans would do this, but they've been so starved for just a modicum of success since they won that World Series in 2005, that if that front or front office or the organization wanted to, they could try to make that a big deal. Like, what a season, guys, 84 and 78. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get the wild card spot, but you know what? We got third place. And most White Sox fans would be like, are you kidding me? I'm just saying, it is a sliding scale. Yes, for Illinois football, yeah, it is an improvement, a vast improvement. But I think that if we are talking about a program that Josh Whitman specifically said, we want to compete for championships, you cannot come out and call what just does, happened yeah. a magical season. Well, here, here's the thing. 
I think when you bring that into perspective, that does change it a little bit. Also, I want to apologize for my voice. I told you guys I am coming down. Mine's with losing too. The kids yeah. were really ticked me off today. Yeah, losers. Want to scoot backwards but, now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. When you consider what he has said, what, you know, just saying, you know, there's a team we want to compete for championships. Then you don't want to kind of call a season like this a magical season. I think if you end it's like this, like a stepping season, stone. Yeah, for yeah, it's yeah. an improvement but, and say, hey, we're making progress and we got a bright future right. ahead. But boom, if you finish this season with a win over Northwestern, no matter how you do it, and then a win or a close loss in a bowl game. I th- I see him calling it that because when you are a program that doesn't really have that much success long term, and you have a season that let's not forget after the Michigan State game, we there was people you know wh- each of us and people on the radio over at nine three five saying there are similarities between the way this feels to two thousand and seven, and that is the last magical season that you feel that you have here at Illinois. So I I understand it. It's just very poorly timed to have said it right. after a loss the way you just ended the regular season. I mean, it's the wrong word. Okay, I mean it's not. It's the wrong it's word. The wrong it's word, the but, wrong but, time. But I also think it's also just one word and one tweet. And I think part of the reason why people extrapolate so much from it is and I'm not necessarily blaming him for doing this because I didn't love Mike Thomas going on the radio every week when there were no questions to even be answered Mike Thomas. but I think part of the reason is you don't really know a lot about Josh because he's very professional in the way he carries himself and what he's thinking is very private and very closed even insiders like Jeremy you know say like we don't know what he's thinking when there's a coaching search or something like that so when you get one of those glimpses into his mind and you see even if it was just him poorly phrasing that tweet what he thinks of it there's more of an extrapolation and a freak out because of it. Because, because we know he's, in because, my mind, because, he's better than that. Right, and, and but you don't know what he's thinking all season, right? You Not once during this football season have we gotten any type of glimpse as to how he reads what has happened. So when we get the only glimpse in six or seven months as to what he thinks of this, and people think it's an overreaction in a positive light, people start to then maybe be concerned that, like you said, he's satisfied with this and nothing more, which I don't think is the case at all. I don't think him, regardless of whether or not he meant the word magic, thinks that this is it and we don't need to worry about aspiring to anything higher. But I do think that it was a poor use of that word because that's not right. And I think that's my main point is because if I look at my life, Ron Gunther never spoke to the media. He was kind of a hermit. Okay. And then you had Mike Thomas. And like you said, every Saturday morning, he's going on the sports talk and there's nothing to talk about. And he's not exactly the most compelling interview anyways. Hey, Jay and Tay. I remember that back in the day. Jay <laughs> yeah. and Tay, good to be here. And he even popped on College Game Day Live with me and Breitweiser, and it was uh, it was fine. Well, there was a know, weird but... aura of him not being from here. Right? Yeah. And so like, he had really no connection until he was hired to this place. I, I know this isn't why a lot of people won't like him, but he will always be to me the guy that threw Beckman under the bus to save his skin for a couple more months. For two months. You're Ugh. right. Yeah. That's right. He had been fired, too, the before bus. they even reopened the State Farm Center. How do you mean threw him under the bus? He fired him just because it was starting to feel the heat a little bit more, and he saw an opportunity to do so. Yeah, because so. he could have ridden that out. Yeah, if come he on. really he did not to. have to fire. There was not okay, enough right. evidence. To, I guess I see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. and oh, he, he actually attended that game as a patron. The first State Farm Center. That's game. right. I remember how wa- weird that he was. He wanted to see his finished masterpiece. When, but Demetri- he'd been fired. when Demetrius Jackson went yep. nuts on Illinois, yep, right? Yep, yeah, yep. and there was a. Um, they did fireworks, and that was the night that they realized that fireworks indoors yeah, don't work. Yeah, can't do that. So right. there was like fog the first five yeah. minutes of the Usually game. Usually an open air or something <laughs> rather for it. Uh, but no, I, I think that when all is said and done in, in my life, I do like Josh Whitman's approach as an athletic director far more than what you have with Mike Thomas and Ron Gunther. Right. Now, Ron Gunther, to his credit, yes, the football program he never figured out, though really no one has. Basketball, he made two amazing hires in a row with Lon Kruger and with Bill Self. And to his credit as well, it was a sort of, hey, Lou Henson, thanks. Could you, could you go? Bye. Thanks. Fool you. And 
and you that's not easy to do sometimes right. but he's helped facilitate that so uh but when i look at josh whitman i think i do expect more and, and i know it's one word i know i'm extrapolating it and mountain out of a molehill i probably am uh, but what it is to me is it reaffirms a lingering concern i have that he is so invested in lovey smith and the idea of this working by golly, I'm just going to think it into existence and it's going to work. And we saw this before the Michigan game. And to Whitman's credit, it kind of ended up being like this where, uh, hey, you know, the 1999 team, we had a game against Michigan, too, and we weren't starting out so well, but then we won. And then so you your prom- concern is that him putting on a good face to sell the program I don't is, think actually, he's nec- is actually him, not him putting on a face. I don't think he's putting on a face. Okay, all right, all right. right. I think he actually thinks okay. this was a match. Right, well, season. you have to look at it. it. His point of view is that he was here during maybe the most successful run in the history of Illinois football well, but know, he was, after the 50s. Well, he's also here in like the worst. No, 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 but he was gone. His senior year was 2000, so he was not on the road. Oh, you, oh I did not know that. He was there in 99, and he saw the depths of a zero-win team. A three-win team, and then the Micron PC. But he so we still saw, saw it coming to fruition, and yeah, even after your, you know, last year here, you're still following the team. He's of still course. obviously following the team. So in his mind, he saw the team climb up from being what were they? Zero and eleven in um, Ron Turner's first oh, year. Zero and eleven, yeah. So then then, three and eight, then then the eight Micron Micron PC Bowl, and then in his last year, it's a disappointing year. But the next year, his team wins the Big Ten championship. So he sees what the team can be. I can see why this would be the real him. But here's here's the, that concern as well, because if you keep in mind, if the, this is the era in which he played at Illinois, and I do think it is important for an AD to have context and understand that this is not going to be an overnight rebuild. We all acknowledge that, oh, yeah. right? But when you go into year five, if in his mind, this was a magical season akin to 1999, and I'll put 1999 as a magical season, when you won three games the previous two years total, and then you went eight with road wins at Michigan and Ohio State, neither of them fluky, by the way. You know, and there was the big comeback at Michigan, but uh, regardless, the Michigan would have been your Michigan State win this year. Then what you would be looking at is, let's say next year is a lot like 2000. Disappointment, you fall back. Favorable schedule, you're feeling really good about things. There's expectations for the first time, and then you go five and seven. Likely, if you go five and seven next year, you're still keeping Lovey Smith. And what I envision at that point is this sort of purgatory. No, I what totally, the hell are yeah, we doing? Totally are we just stuck in neutral? But see, then the the year after, if you're going five and seven next year, and then you're, you're going two and ten the year. And after then that. I think that's enough to have him gone. If but you're, you're if saying, you're, but then we're still having to live through the two and ten yeah. year, and you want totally recruiting's going to die and all. I I, I, I just personally happen <laughs> I just see it. I, don't I like personally it. happen to think that he n- hopes and knows that there's th- better things out there than six and six, and it was just a poorly worded tweet. Yeah, but I understand the concern that because we get so few glimpses into what he's thinking. If that truly is the real way he's thinking, that's kind of concerning. Yeah, for sure. Um, for basketball, we got about 15 more minutes left uh, here. So, uh, yeah. And, and here's the thing. we I can either go 10 minutes or two hours. So, well, I guess we'll go 10 minutes. <laughs> you know what that reminds me? By the way, have you guys watched Irishman yet? Nope. I watched oh. like... I watched 30 minutes of it and then saw it's too long. I got to figure there are things online saying break Chunk it up it. into four parts, which I'm going to do. You okay. can do that. You can totally miniseries it. From I, what I've seen, I liked it. So I got far. caught up with the it's family great. and they chose to watch The Sting, which I'd never watched Old before. classic. It was never good. seen it. It was good. Okay. It's about Robert bees. Redford. Yes. Yes. Robert Redford's a bee Africanized keeper. killer bees. Paul Newman uh-huh. voices the bee. <laughs> oh, no. There's one? It was a good movie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's anyway. a, that's an old one. Have you ever seen Bullet with nope. Steve McQueen? Nope. That's a cool old movie okay. right there. I'm adding it to my list. I've got a long list. With a back in the day babe, Jacqueline Bissett as his Don't lady friend. 
Holy mackerel. Really? Let me tell you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay so anyways. Uh, What's it called? The bullet? Just bullet, but bullet. it's B-U-L-L-I-T-T. His last name is Bullet, okay. spelled ah, like that. Ah. And it's got the best car chase in movie history. Whoa. Yeah. The really best. cool flick. Yeah, and Steve McQueen was just a badass. Like, he, he was a hard-smoking, hard-drinking, race hard car driving, uh, womanizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Bucks LSD dropping. <laughs> uh, Heroin taking. Hobo murdering. <laughs> just a real Peace. heck of a guy. Okay, so. <laughs> I got a little off the rails. Right, yeah, Steve well, McQueen down, is cool. He, he packed a lot into his life. So He's uh, Mr. Cool. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if he can hold a candle to uh, Matt Robinson, though. I mean, if you yeah. can. If you can. Who can? You know who else is Mr. Cool? Kipper Nichols. Nipper Nichols. Okay, here's the so deal. So Kipper Nichols comes in the middle of a 16-2 to 2 Miami run. <laughs> and do you know, have, okay, have you guys played 2K? Or some college I, I, back in the before. day. Yeah. I played the version right. that had Jordan back for the that, first yeah, time. Yeah, wow. 2K11. That was the yeah. best one. Okay, if you hold down the shoot button too long, yeah. your guy kind of looks like he's been hit with a stick in the stomach and kind of lags and goes, yeah. and kind of like lurches and misses the shot. That's what Kipper looked like when he shot his three last night, except no one hit him. Did he come back out again? I don't know if he did. So he comes in, uh, bricks a three, stats. Uh, Gets lost defensively, comes back down, commits an offensive foul, and is yanked from the game. It's not a bad... Kipper yeah. is more lost than any college basketball player I've ever seen. And I'm trying not to make it personal, but my God, <laughs> Kipper Nichols sucks at basketball. And what is the deal, though, if you think about this, the success that he had, how do you have that dramatic of a fall-off? And this all happened when right, Underwood he got here. 34 against a ranked Iowa team. And I guess that would have been Underwood's first year. Yep. Right, okay, but then all of... Everything that's followed, it just doesn't make any sense. So here's what I would pose about last night. I'm going to ask you two questions, and if your answer to both questions is there isn't any, you should be concerned. Okay. Question number one. What is the difference between last night's game and the Maryland game at home in year one of Brad Underwood? There isn't any, and can I add two more? Sure. John Gross era. Georgia Tech on the road 2013. Oregon 2014. Though, of course, those were competitive games that you just didn't win. Right. But the Maryland, feeling, you were down 19 and a half just as you were last night. Yeah, the feeling's the same. Right. I feel. I would say the only difference is that the Maryland game, you at the beginning it was the same, but that one you kind of threw away more at the end. Oh, this, you totally... You threw... Literally. You, you threw had the, the ball. Lead, you choked you? that one away, whereas this one you were never able to complete You had a comeback. chance to complete but the comeback. But both that game and this game, you had a large deficit, the same deficit at halftime. It's pretty much the same game. And then a big comeback, ultimately, to lose. And the difference is that team was led by T. John Lucas, and I don't even remember who else was on that team Mark already. Smith. And this team is led by such a better roster that the fact that you're basically watching the same game is pathetic and worrying to me. Okay, so that's one. That's Dijon one. Lucas. So we, we said there isn't <laughs> there any, isn't so that's halfway, to, two. that's halfway to worry town. What have you oh, seen? Worry town. What have you that's seen? another great album by the Gin Blossoms, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a I don't know if I've that. ever heard someone say, that's another great album by the Gin Blossoms. As if they have a great discography. <laughs> hey, listen, the, the Diamond in the Rough is... What the hell did I just call? Oh, a halfway to worry. <laughs> okay, so what's the second question? We are question? more than halfway to worry town. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it comes out after halfway to more worry town. What okay. differences have you seen from an in-game coaching perspective three years into Brad Underwood's tenure versus three years into John Gross's tenure? <laughs> just thinking of worry town. <laughs> I'm thinking of changing the title of the episode. The last change to train to worry town. 
we got all aboard the last okay, so train to worry. You need to say that one more time because I okay, was okay. wondering on worry town. Think about. I'm not talking about recruiting. I'm not talking about record. I'm gonna wait a minute. I don't even get it. I'm sorry. It's funny. <laughs> okay. 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 I'm done. I'm done. Okay. I'm gonna sit away from the, from the microphone. Okay. I don't even get it. So, so we okay, okay. I'm talking about from like an X's and O's in-game okay. coaching adjustment standpoint. Yes. What is the difference between Brad Underwood through two and a half years and John Gross through two and a half years? Sadly, this feels all too similar to John Gross's third team. And you'd say, well, Brad Underwood had that big win against Michigan State. They rushed the court. Eh. John Gross had the big win against Indiana. Yep. They rushed John the Gross court. had a bunch of big wins. Keep and in mind. And you'd say Brad Underwood stringed together like five really good games, including a road win. Eh. John Gross did the did same thing in his year. first year. At Minnesota was a good road win. My point is the recruiting's different because you've gotten the big guys that John Gross hasn't been able to get. And I think there's a certain amount of the style that's much different than John Gross, obviously. John Gross was heavy ball screen. This is heavy pressure, although we haven't seen heavy pressure. But just from an in-game coaching perspective, I don't know how much difference there is so far between what I've seen from those two coaches. Trevor, they play dumb basketball. That's what I've been saying. I don't know if it's a dumb a, team or they just happen to be playing dumb basketball. Right. And it I, is maddening to watch. It isn't the, like a personal attack on them to say no, they're dumb. But no. right now as a unit, they are playing dumb basketball. It, it's inept. It is a, an unlikable team. There's the moment in the first half where Alan Griffin decides to give a little shoulder shove to Chris Likes, who Orange Crush decided was going to be on their crap list last night. But guess what? He lit you up for 28. Five he foot kept seven, threes at the end. It was he's a enraging. It was and you know what he wa- of, uh, and, and Shane Larkin in Miami who did this to you in the tournament. But this is what this is what worries me short and long term. Right now, if you say is this a tournament team, absolutely not. And then what? Can they be? Yes, they can be. We know that because we see the roster is talented enough that most coaches would say, "Hey, I'm going to gift wrap you this roster." Most coaches would say, "I'll take it. Right. I, I can work with that." And I'm sure Brad Underwood thinks the same thing. But I do think. If I have a concern about Brad Underwood, it is that he is stubborn is a very presumptuous word. I well, think I don't think he is. He's completely changed the style this year. Right. But but this is what is but it weird about worked. it. <laughs> exactly. Remember when Weber was here and we were kind of talking about how, you know, if he would have just recruited his guys, yes. maybe it would work. Yeah. Well, I don't think so. he is what he is. Right. But there might have been more success if he had. So here we have Brad Underwood. And he is getting the studs in here. And thank God he is, because if you look at Kofi Coburn, uh, we could say that the chemistry might be different because Kofi's here. Listen, if Kofi weren't on this team, you might not have all that different of a record than he did last year. Because all those guys that you brought back from your 14-win team are, for the most part, 12. inconsistent. Yeah. Was it 12-win team? I thought they went 12-20, and 20, didn't God. they? Well, you beat Northwestern. Well, actually, yeah, then they beat Northwestern, so they must have been Who 13. Who did we play in the second round? 13-21, and 21, you, you lost to Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years um, ago. Which, by the way, now they look like they don't suck this year. What the hell is that about? Well, that's another yeah, thing that I think I mean, and I'm just, you know, spitballing here. But if you look at... You know, at the beginning of the year, you're saying this should be a tournament team, and now it's kind of we're eight games in, and it looks. I think we're it's eight e- games in. You played two real teams. You've lost and you to lost both to both of them. Of them and down and, to twenty five and both. And games. neither one of those games really looked like what you wanted them to look like. No. So, are are you taking that into well, obviously take that into consider consideration? But then you look at the rest of the Big Ten and teams that you weren't going to think are in the position they're in right now: Ohio State, Michigan. These teams that you thought were going to take big steps back, along with the teams you knew were going to be at the top, like Maryland and Michigan State. Yeah. Are these also reasons? Because now that record, that uh, that schedule looks just that little I bit much like more that, harder because that gives you more chances for quality wins. My, my thoughts exactly. My fear was that after this game, you don't have enough opportunities in the Big Ten to overcome them, or in other words, you'd have to bat like eighty percent in right. these games. What in the if Big you Ten. lost this game and Michigan was unranked and four? And five, and then you then lost. Sudden, them. And then suddenly, yeah. right? Then suddenly, <laughs> yeah. it's like not that 
them being top five gives you the defense shield that if you do lose to them, it's better. Right. But it gives you another opportunity for a quality win that you wouldn't have otherwise had. I can see yeah. that. And I, so, I could see them winning. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't think that this performance in a vacuum makes me say, projecting forward, they're going to lose 80% of their games or something like that. No, I'd agree with but that. But I think the problem with this in a macro sense to me was, as you pointed out and as Jeremy said this morning on his show, there's a lot of experimenting going on, and I don't understand, and this is all on Underwood, honestly, mm-hmm. I don't understand why it's mid-December almost. You've seen this team since June. You took them on a trip internationally to get extra, 15 extra practices and four extra games with them. Why are we still experimenting? Like, why are, why are you just now admitting in the postgame last night, well, maybe Kofi and Georgie on the floor together doesn't really work. This should have been obvious to you months ago. This is a man making $3 million plus to have a clue. I don't know if he has a clue about his team. And this is where I really do get worried. We can look at a Stephen F. Austin record. We can look at the one year at Oklahoma State with a guy like Juwan Evans. But here's the thing. You have what I look at as a pretty balanced roster that if coached up, to use a cliche, if coached up, would make the freaking tournament. We're talking about the 68 best teams. Or if you want to get more particular, the 38 best at large teams. Okay, If you can't make that, if you can't meet that low bar, Lovey Smith won six freaking games this year. If you cannot meet that low bar with this roster, that to me is a far greater indictment than anything Bobby Smith has done here because you could argue at least I'd agree with that. that what he inherited was far worse than what Brad Underwood inherited. I get all these people, I say this, like it's a personal affront. It's not. But when you see all these people try to explain away incompetence, that is maddening to me. There is no excuse for Illinois basketball to ever be down 27 points at home. I don't care if that's number one in the freaking nation. This is a mediocre Miami team. And to see people, and there weren't many, I got to say this, there were not many, laud this comeback that wasn't. You know, that's not the point. The point was you showed up flat on national television in the first game of the Big Ten ACC Challenge, a very winnable game at that, and now we need to probably offset that with a really high-quality win in the Big Ten. You might get a couple. I bet you're going to get two or three wins in the Big Ten against top 15, top 20 teams, but... All the same, you're going to have a Penn State come to town or you're going to have an Iowa come to town in a winnable game and you're going to crap the bed because that is what I know from what I've seen with Brad Underwood so far. It's it's It feels no different, Trevor, than the John Gross era. Right. I cannot that, believe I'm saying that. That's that's a concern, but the difference is the talent level is so much higher. And that that's, makes it worse in a way. Like, right. But, but what it does do... I don't do, know if Kofi's addition is a bad thing, but for some reason to me it feels a little bit like that has somehow offset everything in some way. And I don't understand why. Because, you know, it's like Kobe and the Lakers were really good in, I think it was like 2010 or 11. They add Dwight Howard and suddenly and they, they suck. Really, yep. And I'm not saying this is Kofi's fault. Not by at all, means, but I get what but, you're but, saying. But he where he you're changes going, everything when he's in the game. The pace slows down. Georgie sucks when Kofi's in the game. I'm sorry, but defensively, he was atrocious last night. He's been atrocious all year. He's ranked one tier higher than nearly invisible on Ken Palm right now. He has disappeared. You know why this team's not likable right now? Because I think back to all the preseason expectations. Andy Katz had a, had a total... Uh, I can't say that. On the pro- okay. <laughs> he had a thing for this team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say rhymes with, but that would make it obvious. Okay, yeah. listen, point being, uh, Georgie B, there's an interview. Hey, we're going to make the tournament and I salsa dance and yada, yada. Okay, great. Um, and all these expectations that they welcomed and they are wearing it so poorly. And it, it's the unlikable. Oh, you're right, you're right. 
the unlikable part of it, apart from, you know, the little sucker shoulder move that Alan Griffin had to the guy that was lighting you up for 28 points, we look just like weak-minded. It, it, I agree. And, there, and there's a certain extent of that that I can't even blame Brad for because he's calling every time out and he's chewing into them and then he's not talking to them at all. And if they're not going to look any different no matter what he does, I don't know what you can do but throw your hands up in the I, air at I that think point. they feel like they're really cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah, And I, this I, is something that I remember someone saying, I can't attribute it, but I thought it was an interesting point. It was on the text line back in the show a couple of years ago. And someone saying something along the lines of, you know, Kipper, play, you know, not to pick on Kipper, but I guess we are. In it, I think of extent. like the word drip. They use it a lot. Like okay. Drip, drip. When he makes a like, shot or something. Like, like looks, uh, looks cool yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. he knows he looks cool. Right. But there's no game to back it up. Right. It's, and I and look they at haven't the, earned anything yet, they've right? They've earned like, nothing. Right, right, Earned right. nothing. It's an embarrassment. I, As a 33-year-old, and Trevor, I feel bad that you and Harry, you know, you're from PA in Florida, so, you know, less of a... <laughs> He's like, what the hell does that have <laughs> what, to do? What I mean is less of a context with Illinois basketball. Yeah. Right. So, Trevor, you grow up, and the best year that you probably remember well... And experienced as a, a true blue fan, right? Mm-hmm. Would have probably been John Gross's first year. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe 2010 when they beat UNLV in the uh, tournament and lost okay. to Kansas because they had that had the Michigan State upset, and I, I, I don't know. I, the bile I feel coming to my mouth as I even think about this <laughs> is <laughs> I haven't been this pissed off vulgar. since the relaunch of the 200 level. Is that you know knowing what it was and fearing that it's never going to get back. Even just the consistent tournament appearances. I'm not talking Final Fours. I'm not talking even Sweet Sixteens. And I'm I don't talking even, I, just yeah. making the tournament, which is such a meager expectation for this program. And I don't want to find ourselves in February staring down the barrel of another bubble team. That's and, where you are right now. Well, that's that, a well, concern. You're totally is, a bubble what team. What if you're like 19 and 13? You get bounced in your first game in the Big Ten tournament. You're 19 and 14. You have wins against. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. Like Ohio State at yeah, home. Yeah. And Michigan on the road. Those are your two quad one wins. Uh, you beat Missouri by five. You, you, you don't screw up again in the non-conference, but you don't do anything convincing. And you have a few quality wins. I don't know if 19 and 14 with two quad one wins and a loss to a non-tournament Miami team and a 25-point loss to a five-seed Arizona is going to do it for you. It won't. And, and the problem is, the good news, bad news, Big Ten is better. You got more chances for quality wins. That's great. But I just have no faith in this team to actually go out there and get them. It's early. Yes, things can change. But your point is well taken that I don't even have like the visual memory of when it was a, when it was a, an assumption that someone would come in here and lose because like I don't have that memory. So like down twenty seven at home to a bad Miami team and people your age are going this shouldn't even be happening ever. I remember when this building ever. was like sacred and no one would even come in here and attempt to win. Oh, oh, <laughs> versus down thirty at home to a bad team, uh, unthinkable, right? Unfathomable. And even going into this year, if you would have told me, hey, by the way, you're going to be trailing Miami at home by twenty seven, I would have said, what the hell was wrong with this team? So but that's we- the confusing part. Is like there shouldn't be. Io should be a lottery pick, and he's not even. a a draft pick right now. Here, here's hell, Alani basketball version. Okay, we did a football version a couple. Yeah, months ago. we did. Seventeen and fifteen. Nit. Nit. Io comes back for another year. Adam Miller goes elsewhere for three <laughs> years. You get one more year with Io, and then maybe you get a ten seed in the tournament. Uh, and you got Andre Corbello. That'd be great. But but the thing that really, you know, makes this complicated is that you have Andre Corbello and Adam Miller. And this is what scares me, is that you're finding yet another... It is so eerily similar to the John Gross thing with Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith emerging. Oh my God, do we fire him? Do we not fire him? And you did because you had to. 
it would take a monumentally bad season for Brad Underwood to get fired. I agree. And frankly, probably should be the case, right? It probably would yeah, take a, Yeah, if you have the worst season in Illinois basketball history last year and you come back with a roster that is almost the reverse of that roster in terms of talent, and then you have a similar season. That's a fireable offense. But right I even, I, I wonder, you know, 500 team, let's I say. I wonder if Brad Underwood bolts, and I don't know who would take him, but what if this is hell for him, and after three seasons he can't get this to work, and he's frustrated out of his mind, I, and like we, I floated the hypothetical. Yeah, sure. Bruce Weber retires or something, and his alma mater opens up. They'd probably take him. Probably, I think. Kansas and I'm not would. saying that Illinois would be any better or worse off or arguing which one should happen. I'm just saying I, I, I think that that's a possibility people should consider if this goes downhill that people aren't considering. It would maybe save you from yourselves and from having to make maybe. a decision like that. And then it would it's, maybe make it an easier... This is the thing. It's just like, such an indictment on the team that there's such a lack of chemistry, that they're playing so dumb, and that they're not cohesive because, A, that's on the coach to do that. And I, also, I'm, I'm conflicted when he comes out after the game and says, this is entirely my fault. I knew this game was going to suck because we had bad practices. It's like, thanks, and, and the cool. player And the players readily admit that they didn't have answers to the questions he was asking them. I guess I'd prefer that to, I don't know, we don't have any answers. Because that's what Lovey says, right? It's like, well, we'll look at the tape, go on to next week. You know. Yeah, there's nothing he could have said I, last I, night I, that would have made Right, I, I guess better. I appreciate him not lying and being more you know, forthcoming about it. But then it also almost pisses me off more to hear... That Brad Underwood is sitting in a practice with a guy with guys that have been here, like his three guards. You know, this is their second or third year here, and they look like they've never played basketball together. I mean, they're missing passes, they're cutting incorrectly. The spread offense is not working. He needs to change it right now. I think he needs to stagger Kofi and Georgie on the floor. I don't think they can be on the floor together, honestly, because Georgie suffers at the four, and and Kofi, you know, he didn't play the last six minutes of the game last night because he was cramping up. And it's like, I understand that they kind of got him out of the game because he was a liability on defense. But if you're up two against Michigan going into the under four timeout, I can't be thinking that the, my best player on the team is going to have to sit out because he's tired. Mm -hmm. I, I can't be thinking that. There's way too many issues right now to say, hey, if they just fix this. It needs to be revamped. The right. offense, stop with the spread. Okay, stop. You change your offense from last year to the spread offense. It's not working. Not at all. But the frustration is you change your defense from high pressure to this mixture of pack, line, and zone. My question is why? Now, I know this sounds kind of like I'm being hypocritical because last year we're saying, man, do I don't something. know. You know do something. The high pressure you're giving. You're getting turnovers, but you're giving up a bunch of buckets, and you're fouling. This year you're not fouling at all, but you're not getting turnovers. So maybe I'm eating crow and would pr prefer the turnovers and the transition buckets over whatever the hell this is. They, they have no identity. I just I would like and to sit down with him for that in an honest develop. moment and say, why did you change everything? Like, I don't understand what the impetus after Italy or whenever it was was for Brad Underwood to sit there and go, okay, I'm going to completely revamp the offense and switch my defense entirely. Like, like where did that come from? I don't understand that. Because it's not working. No. But the thing is, it hasn't been working. So why hasn't it, even, why hasn't it changed yet? Why did it change in the first place? I, I don't get it. We didn't solve anything today, did we? Impetus after Italy Ooh. by the, the Jim Blossoms. That's that sounds actually, like Mission Impossible 7. That's actually the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Ah. The ska band. How about Eating Crow by the Casting Crows? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> but Halfway to Worry Town is... <laughs> that's, 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 that's the best We're one. saving that uh, for a title yeah. because if they lose to... Here's the thing. If Illinois basketball beats Maryland or Michigan, 
okay. That's fine. But I, I, I but it's almost at can. a point. It's almost at a point where you need a quality win in your back pocket before just, you start the Big Ten at Michigan State. Something Wisconsin. Something's it's, wrong. It's crazy. Okay, like like Trent has become so selfless and deferring to other people that he's four for five from three. Doesn't take a shot the last fifteen minutes of the game. Like something is wrong with that. Because remember freshman Trent chucking up every shot he could find yeah. and Gonzaga Trent chucking up every shot he could find even though Iowa was in the game suddenly it's like instead of playing for the win they're playing to make Iowa lottery pick right now and I do not understand that I don't get it either and I- I'm having this really scary thought that what if Brad Underwood just isn't good at this here uh, and I would he, and I, he, I would I would make that um uh asterisk good at this here here because exactly. i honestly think he's a good basketball well, coach i mean good he took places. Stephen f austin a program that had never been anywhere look at the le- mark he's left they just beat duke using his system and the coach said it in the postgame press conference right so what's the disconnect here there's some kind of there's there's a large disconnect with this team right now and this is at a crucial point where it needs to change now a cathartic episode of the 200 level, halfway to Worry Town, subtitle, you know Land of th- Stinking. You know what I'm thinking is, what if you are in Worry Town and then you have a big win? You're still technically now coming back from Worry Town, but you're still halfway, halfway to there. Worry so Town. are we fully in Worry Town or just halfway there for Illini basketball? Uh, in basketball, the way you're making it sound is we are in Worry Town. I was concerned, I'm, now I'm, I'm worried. I'm yeah. projecting the worry, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I'm saying, if we see that effort from this week again, I'm concerned. So you are halfway to worry. So I guess I would say I'm halfway because it was only a one game sample of the ultimate, ultimate worst. But I, it, I don't even know if it has been because like the exhibition game, you were trailing at halftime, right? Like, and I know this is little nitpick stuff in hindsight, but Lindenwood, you're down like 10 to two to start the game and you call timeout. Like there have been enough moments where I think, what is wrong with this team? Even in the wins. Yeah. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish third album was actually Round Trip to Concernville, and that didn't go that didn't go over so well. Okay, so, so for football, I'm guessing we're looking you, up you prices, to... looking up prices for the train to worry town. The train to well, you know what? I uh, football is what it is. Lovey's back, and he should be back, and we will see what happens. The bowl game, 2020, really is what it's all about. And if those... you if you go six, just a quick question: if you go six and six again next year. Is his seat warm at all? No. No. You don't think so? No, because no, that's, that's two bowl games game. in a row. Yeah. 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 Now, I mean, I would almost prefer because I, I, I wouldn't say I'm still a lovey skeptic. I'm not, but I, you aren't even a lovey skeptic. Well, maybe I'm a lovey skeptic. I, would I almost, can't decide if I'm a cynic or a skeptic. Let me just say the statement before I qualify it. I would almost prefer that you go six and six with him again next year and the baton is passed mm-hmm. and he retires and someone That's younger Wiser's and better. That's Brian Weiser's theory, man. I, I, would, like, I, I, would almost enjoy, prefer, I would just prefer that. I would too because there's a fatigue element and not, not directly aimed at Lovey. It's just sort of like, Okay, we we've waited so long to just get back to a certain level. Well, we just get us there, and then we'll move. Right, on. and okay. and it sounds we'll, weird. We'll it sounds weird to say instead of risking that the next next season comes crashing back down, I'd like to get the heck out of Dodge with Lovey before it somehow gets bad again. Yeah, because then that implies that it might get bad in the first place, and that's an indictment overall. But honestly, if you have another six and six year, I almost don't want to risk the idea that with a depleted younger roster, it could go bad. And just say, okay, just hand off the baton. The new guy gets a few years, so even if that first year with your trip to Ireland and all that is bad, no one cares. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I could see that. I could see him doing that if he has a year next year. I think six and six would be the minimum because yeah. I, I see him wanting to end on a good note. If he goes six and six or better, I would not be surprised if he called it quits because you're going off on a high. And note. I'd be fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was kind of what he was brought here to do, right? Absolutely. Okay, so but, oddly I guess enough, we solved something right there. It took huh? a really bad Illinois basketball performance to actually make us 
in Ooh, hindsight, that had me looks somewhat that had me steamed last night. Yeah, I have not. Been, you know steamed. what? I I was not emotive at all during the game. It was when I came back down here, and this is kind of the benefit. Uh, the uh, and there's good and bad with it that I could come right down after the game and record an opening segment. And I noticed that even today, I had more emotion than I thought. Cathartic episode, hopefully for you, the listener, that you listen to this, and if you have. Any kind of anger towards Illinois Revenue Sports, which there's plenty of reason to have that right now, and uh, you deserve better, Illinois yeah. fans. Just let's we if we adopt that approach, if there's such a thing as positive vibes actually carrying over <laughs> to the performance <laughs> on the court or on the field, you know w- we need to raise our expectations here. This basketball team has no business ever performing like that at home. That's inexcusable. They came out sleepwalking after an eight-day layoff. And if I see one more freaking social media post with the word fight and I'm breaking my damn phone, <laughs> I am sick of that. Okay, uh, well, anywho, guys. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? Harry was sick tonight, but he really fought through that. He thing. fought through that. Didn't fight. Fight. By the way, you have to say it like the word caps locked. Harry really fought through that. But I can't say it that loud. Mm-hmm. Or else I start to sound like a like a weird high school girl the rasp is good on you though the rasp Ah, works i'm not a fan of it (laughs) okay harry black for trevor valise for dp doe well we're gonna have to figure that out actually because the away game in maryland on saturday when's the michigan game next week wednesday i think we'll just have to do it monday okay so we won't have much to add it's only five days from now what are the next couple games for illinois at maryland home versus michigan yeah Although Sunday we'll know the bowl, so I guess we can come back. So we meet Monday. It'll be half bowl conversation, half Maryland. Maryland. Pre can we talk, talk just for a second? I just want to uh, just you know we can talk for one you know maybe ten seconds about the Eagles. They suck. Oh man, do they ever? Okay, and the Bears have half the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, 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 I'm doing the. If the Bears win out, they're in. Correct. <laughs> yeah. If the Vikings lose one other game. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because the Bears play the Vikings in Week 17. So presuming the Vikings lose the Packers and the Bears win out, which means beating the Packers, Vikings, and the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> You're not doing and there that. you go. But it would be cool to set up the last week of the season a play-in game. Sure. That'd be yeah. fun. I Which, oddly enough, it was a play-in Kirk game Cousins for the Vikings versus last Mitch Trubisky, a play-in game. Two, two things. Two th- actually, three things. One. <laughs> yeah, I know. One, I was not surprised at all when the Vikings lost that game yesterday. Of course not. Dude, I mean, it's a night game why, with Kirk why Cousins. Why would you be? I get, well, because people are kind of hyping him up, and I'm just no. like, why do you think no, this no, game's no, going to no. be It's close. the Vikings. It's they do what close. they do. Kirk Cousins could go 16-0 and and be the best quarterback in the regular season, and that <laughs> weekend when they play whoever in the one versus six game, I'd say, you know what? Kirk Cousins is going to screw up this yeah. weekend. Two, I don't trust him against the Bears just because they have had no. his number for the last year and a half. I don't no. either. And three... I hate the fact that the Eagles still control their own destiny to the playoffs. I yeah, hate thanks, that. NFC I least. don't know why I hate it so much, but if mm-hmm. they win out and people are saying, well, all you have to do, I mean, you have to play the 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 Giants twice. They have two and they're two and ten and you play the Reds. You'll be nine and seven to make the playoffs. It's fine. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I least, hate it. I don't know why I hate it. It's purgatory. Yeah, but you got the Super Bowl to fall back on. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God we had one good it's year. It's like every year since LeBron, the Miami Heat have gone 42 and 42 and gotten like the seventh seed, and I would hate that every mm-hmm. year. Well, the Bulls had that kind of going in yeah, the post. Nate Robinson. Well, Jimmy Butler, and, yeah, two, yeah, three yeah, years. Yeah. Well, I just hate I hate that the fact that they control their destiny because I don't think they're going to get to the playoffs. I don't think people How are, could you? They just lost to like the they worst, lost team, to the in worst team in football. I hey, know that if they, it's anything like Illinois Northwestern, that's going to be the wake up call they need. No. Oh, you just took Harry's logic. No, because because Illinois was doing well back earlier in the year. The Eagles at no point have done well this year. Against the Bears, they beat the Packers. The Bears are awful. They beat Green Bay in Green Bay. That was the one shining (laughs) moment they've had. Everything else has looked like. You know what's so what's frustrating about this? If the Bears would have just beaten the Chargers, 
and beating the Rams, they can still win the stupid division. This is a really weird sports year for fandom for us. Yeah, it is. Because it's a year where expectations were actually built in and almost none of them have been met. Yeah, the Yankees were the right. one that could have really kind of like salvaged. Because I mean, the, the Cubs, on the Cubs high were, expectations, you're right, you're right. failure. Bears, high expectations, failure. Alana, you kind of called the Bears, though. I did because when we went through it, but I did said you nine expect and seven. This I said nine and seven. Yeah, okay. With, with a struggle, which to they get might in. still. But uh, Illini football was a success. Mm-hmm. Illini basketball so far expectations failure. So for me, it's like this is weird because I'm not, I'm not. It's not like I'm not used to failure, but I am used to expectations followed by. My new, I'm not my, used to expectations followed by. Failure. My new mantra, Illini fans, we should be able to have our cake and eat it too. It shouldn't be one team has a little bit of success and therefore the other team is going to suck. Or one side of the ball is good and the other team. Exactly, of the ball sucks, you yeah. should be able. To beat Northwestern at home in football and beat Miami two days later in the Big Ten ACC your Challenge should be ranked top fifty, and your defense could be ranked. This top is 50. what functional athletic programs do: they win the games against teams that they should at home. But apparently, we don't. Caffeine at midnight, Gin Blossoms album. Oh my god! <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, Reese's in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Except to take something and put it at a time you would not. That do might it. be my yeah. favorite Yanni album. Really? Actually. Yeah. Reese's I'll tell you what, morning. he uh, really got adventurous on that one. Okay. <laughs> in the other nineties, and Yanni's not a nineties. You got to get specific with the time too. You okay. know, uh, Panini's at two twenty. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, the explicit, that's the explicit album. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we are halfway to Worrytown. We'll probably call next week's episode that because it's just too good not to call it that. Uh, Landis Stinkin, thanks, Trevor, for the title. Sure. Uh, Harry, thanks for the Tom Waits impersonation. What's who's is that? The, some raspy guy? Yeah. Great, okay. great musician. Is though. he a crooner? Not a crooner. Kind mm. of a, a raspy voice crooner. I heard them say croon on the Dan Lebertard show today. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Matt see. Robinson wasn't good, but that's life. Yeah. Is that a Frank Sinatra yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They played it at the end of Joker. Oh, that's right, man. That's a good flick. Well, you guys need to watch The Irishman and bring that back. Watch that's that. homework for next I'm week. I'm going to go to Knives Out, hopefully this Supposed week. Supposed to be a great movie. Still not that excited about Star Wars, but we'll get there. I was yeah, going to watch well, Knives well, go. In. Yeah, what the heck? Mm. Knives In? Yeah. That's a gross one. Yeah. yeah. That's but spoons. <laughs> spoons at the side. <laughs> no, you should have said Spoons In. <laughs> Sporks. <laughs> but what in, out, what are some uh, other words for that? Sporks, sporks underneath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, potato peelers down. Uh, <laughs> that no. sounds like you're writing with them during a test. It's like the ACT. Potato peelers down. Okay, students. Okay. Hands up. Potato peelers down. <laughs> I only had one question left. It was a one question As this test. ridiculous... <laughs> Goes on the desk because someone thinks they're potatoes. Everyone's just handing back the scantrons and they're all just torn up with <laughs> this no answer. This isn't right. Kids are very disappointed. Chad's on this one. I'm very disappointed. This is the tenth test in a row that no one got a single question right. Uh, Joe, I guess you could say your math, uh, your math abilities are quite appealing. I or that they're. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say that your math tests have been spuddy at best (laughs) (laughs) wow wow on that note dp doe online at dpdoe.com fourth and kirby online at fourth and kirby.com that's four th like put the put the number four yes no they actually spell it out i apologize fourth and kirby.com apologies fourth and kirby for that uh brian hansen state farm agent on brian uh, brian is my guy.com alana inquire champagne showers podcast network trevor police harry black mike carpenter it is the 200 level (laughs) 